0: The podcast is called, Why Is That Important? that's cool. So, um,
1: welcome back from our long hiatus. Some of you may remember us from the last decade when we did a podcast, because that was a cool thing to do in the late 20-teens. Now, slightly older and slightly more children, we're back again with another... Episode of Why Is That Important? But only today we have a lot more important things going on, namely Coronavirus 2020. You may remember this from your history books if you happen to listen to this in the far future, in which case I'm sorry that this is the only record you have of these events. If you're somebody who has more records, what are you doing listening to us? This is just our opinions. Anyway, the current coronavirus crisis is uh, sweeping the nation, nay, the globe, and we are here to discuss it in all of its depth with me, Andrew Martin. Rosa Wenger, and my brother, Philip Martin.
2: Howdy. And uh, with (laughs) all of that...
0: I don't know how to, like... You can't top that.
2: With all of that, we are changing the name of the podcast (laughs) to None of This Is Important Anymore. (laughs) (laughs) You have no idea how right you are,
0: sadly. (laughs) We have opinions. They're probably not important. Okay. Well, just to give some context to anybody that is listening to this that cares... um, I think we still track downloads. I wonder if we're getting any. Um, Only the, we the web crawling. Our, really, our, our podcast is really, our
2: podcast is really popular. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. As, so, as if there's no access to anybody talking about the coronavirus.
1: <laughs> yeah, let's add our voices of importance to the cacophony.
0: Well, I think we we're just talking, and we we're going to record. And if people like it, well, I, if anyone likes it, I was. Cool. I think
2: this is this is going to be useful for me because maybe six months or eighteen months from now, be thinking like, what were we thinking when this started? Ooh. Yeah, that's exactly and we how can I can go felt. back and say, and like my children this,
3: being like, this what was it like, Dad?" <laughs>
2: well,
1: funny you should ask. I, I have a recording the, back, of my thoughts. Back in the my time. day.
0: We had this thing called a podcast. <laughs> you actually had to listen to it. See, I feel a little shallow because you guys are both like, man, like, I just like, want to hear my thoughts on this someday in the future. And I was like, I think people need to know what we think.
1: Well, <laughs> I realize I'm not nearly disciplined enough to diary. Like, That's just not something I'm capable of from a mental standpoint. Mm-hmm. So this is about as close as I can get. Although I have like kept an audio diary from time to time on my phones, but I never uploaded them to the cloud. And when my phone dies, so did my auto- audio diary. So it's never really been effective.
2: Yeah. That's Which fine. is more self-absorbed saying, I think my future self will want to know what my current self thought. Or,
0: or I think my current self needs to know what other people are like. Other people need to know what my current self is thinking. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I, don't I don't think, think there's, there's a competition that has a winner. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, just to give some context for anybody that is listening and cares. We some of us were talking. Andrew uh, works at the mechanic that I use. And we were talking about how our political views, like, it, do political views impact your response to the coronavirus? And um, do we need to give any context about what's going on well, in the world right now? Let's, no. let's
1: just say where we are like, in the crisis, because in another week, oh, this okay. might sound like, oh, my goodness, we had no idea. Or in another week, it was like, that was like the peak of it. We just don't know. So this is Thursday, March 19th. 9.09 p.m. Eastern Daylight Savings Time, and that noise in the background would be my furnace kicking on for all you future nice. listeners. I apologize. I will go shut that off in a minute, but uh, I think there's about 215,000 total cases worldwide.
2: Philip will correct me. 245,000. Two, yeah. 245,000. Phil has his computer to look it up. Yeah, so Philip-
0: 245,000. Yeah. How many deaths?
2: 10,041
0: deaths. And what, how many people have recovered? I feel like that's uh, important. I feel like that is not a number people are talking about.
2: 88,151. And are any of
0: those numbers actually accurate?
2: Roughly. Okay. <laughs> I think the death numbers, well, I think <clears throat> there's, a, there's a lot of different ways numbers can be inaccurate at this point, um, but I think at the very least we can say we know for sure that this many people are infected and this many people have died. There's obviously more that we don't know about, but this is what, I think these numbers are a good, actually, indicator of what we're able to see right now, more than what's actually going on.
1: Yeah, It gives us a good perspective as to what our perspective is, like, of all the (laughs) tests that have been done and so on and so forth, this is what we've been able to learn. That's not the totality of the information out there, it's what we know.
0: So you're saying that there's probably more people sick... Than absolutely. we know of. There's probably more people who have died, either directly or indirectly, from this. But there also probably could be more people who have had it and recovered. Like all these numbers are skewed. Oh, absolutely.
2: Yeah. Okay. The um, there was a study done recently about the beginning of the epidemic in China, and they said in uh, before they started the containment, the mitigation, um, whatever they called it in, in China, uh, and they shut Wuhan down. They think that they were catching 14% of the cases. Afterwards, they think they were catching 60%. So the numbers in China were probably half. In the best case scenario, were only half of the total cases. Mm. And most of those were mild. Um, some obviously, there's there's probably some people who died in their homes or died didn't realize they had coronavirus. But the vast majority of mild cases are not being caught.
1: Do you think we caught? most of the deaths do you think China's recording of how many deaths there were is representative of how many people died from complications or directly due to the coronavirus infections
0: and before you answer that people should know that you have been living in China up until December December. for the last couple years Mm -hmm. Uh, so like you've been there and you kind of have an idea of what the culture is actually like versus what America thinks the culture is like
2: right yes I think um there's definitely issues with the Chinese system and they were slow to respond for political reasons, but they are pretty impressive when they get things running. It's kind of like a diesel engine. It's slow to get it started, but it's hard to stop it once it's started. Okay. <laughs> and so, um, I do think, um, they probably captured most of the deaths. Uh, there's probably more people who died because they couldn't get access to care. When there's a pandemic like this, there's other illnesses that would get treated that don't. And so that number can be hard to quantify. There's also, uh, I read that um, all of the quarantine and social distancing stuff has slowed the normal seasonal flu. And so they think it's possible that up to this point, the coronavirus has actually saved lives because (laughs) less people have died of the seasonal flu this year, they think in Japan alone it saved three thousand lives um, so far. So
0: I heard someone make that case about uh, the abortion clinics being closed too. So <laughs> that's a whole other topic. And here we go. <laughs> um, okay, so
1: so now we know where we're at. Yeah. So so the next question then is like, what does the situation that we're in now like? What is our view on it? How are people reacting? What is the sentiment of the people we interact with? And so on and so forth. Like, yeah. So I would say let's start with you, Philip. You know some people in China. What what is their perspective at this point in time? And how from your understanding, how is the Chinese government reacting and and what are they doing both to control the infection itself and to
0: control the narrative?
2: Well, that's a pretty big question. I'll try to um, start with the people that I know. Can you
0: speak for all Chinese people, Phil? Yes, one point three billion. Your little voice.
2: Um, I would say people were pretty freaked out about it pretty quickly. They all lived through the SARS um, epidemic, and so uh, that was scarier because we didn't know what it was for so long. And so there was people dying with um, very similar symptoms, and there was not really an indication of what was going on, and there was not any other um, new coronaviruses. At that point, scientists thought that there was a few coronaviruses that lived in humans, but there hadn't been any that entered the human population for a long time. So um, in China, that was a really scary thing. So when this started again, people reacted a lot quicker than they did here in the States. The government obviously... Um, covered things up in the beginning uh, for political reasons and uh, when they saw which direction it was going they realized their legitimacy was on the line and so they, they jumped the other direction and um, tried to do as much as they could as quick as they can and so they basically put 800 million people in a shelter-in-place order. Um, the Communist Party in China has... Tens of millions of members. I, I think the number I remember is 90 million members. And all of those people are activated to enforce the shelter in place and all of the blockades and everything. Um, and so there's this incredible party machinery that kind of slowly uh, you know, gets, gets moving. But it's really really does reach into every neighborhood, um, every village. And we're forcing people to get tested. Everybody was getting their temperature taken every day. Uh, So it's really a a really hard situation for us to imagine as Americans. Um, The expectations on privacy in China are so different. And so uh, people coming to your house to take your temperature is not considered unusual.
0: (laughs) Um, It's like people were just like showing up like... (laughs) Like the postman would come, he'd deliver your mail and get, take your temperature kind of thing? Not the postman, the, but the local yeah, but.
2: party cadres would come. Um, and you just had to be cool with that? Well, that's kind of the deal in China, you just have to be cool with everything. Um, obviously, this situation did lead to like um, the largest outpouring of anger against the government in 40 years, or 30 years, um, since Tiananmen Square. So it was politically charged and... Uh, economically, ov- obviously, people are feeling it in China. But they responded with a sense of urgency right away. People were telling us, don't come back. We're glad you're not here. It's really crazy. Um, but we're going to get this thing under control. And, th- and now that's basically the story. The government is saying, like, we beat this virus. And so there's uh, a sense um, they don't acknowledge that they screwed up on the front side. And then they demand gratitude for whatever good response they had on the backside Um, and don't acknowledge the human cost or the economic cost or the human rights that were trampled on in the process. Um, But at this moment, when things seem really out of control in Europe and in the States, uh, they feel pretty happy about how things have gone.
1: Um, How would they feel about South Korea's response, which, you know, was pretty dramatic and pretty effective?
2: I'd, I don't know. That's fair. That's a good question. <laughs> I was like,
1: like man, that's probably a question that they're debating within the Chinese Communist Party circles now.
2: <laughs> right. Um, I think it's hard for us to um, put ourselves in uh, Japan or South Korea, which are democracies. They're really vibrant democracies, but they also have um, a more, they're less individualistic than America is. And so there's some parts of it that uh, f- would feel to me like China in the um, enforcement or, I don't know, the kind of expectation that you do what the government says. Where in America, there's a certain percentage of people that will do the opposite just because the government is the one <laughs> who's telling them to do it. Uh,
1: well, let's break. let's pivot a little bit to that. Um, and I think that's kind of what kicked off this conversation between Joe and I. Is the fact that there are, I would say, significant numbers of people who assume that if somebody they don't like is telling them something, they must be <coughs> wrong. Like, the person's authority is directly dependent upon whether or not you like them. Like, I had a coworker today that was telling me that because CNN was saying something, it was lies, basically. That's like, oh, they're just fear mongering. Blah 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 blah. I'm like, well, they may be overblowing it a bit. I don't. I was didn't hear exactly what they had said. I think they said something along the lines that GM should uh, retool their manufacturing plants to build respirators or something like that, which is a bit ridiculous. I mean, that's, you know, going yeah, from absurd. building a car to like a durable good kind of thing, like an appliance, basically would be a dramatic shift and there's people wouldn't really know how to and you'd have to find raw materials and resources and it's just like, "Uh, is that really a thing?" But his the, point was
0: hey, they they did it in World War 1.
1: <laughs> no, they did it more in World War 2 and it took 6 months or more to transition from Sorry,
0: building that, cars to tanks. That didn't that didn't require a, right. an explanation. But the
2: difference between cars and tanks as great as it is is pretty small compared to the cars and respirators. Yeah, or
1: for cars ventilators, and ventilators yeah. which I, I might have been ventilators yeah. or yeah. respirators but I mean the difference yeah. is kind of <coughs> insignificant when Regardless. you consider you know the the difference from car to either of those things is enormous compared to car to tank
2: if you if you make a mistake in the car like it goes into the shop more often if you make a mistake in a ventilator people die <laughs> and so there's a, incredible regulatory hurdles uh, and in and the, that was kind
1: of I think what led him to believe, like, okay, that doesn't make sense. Like, he's in the automotive industry, so he understands a little bit that, like, building cars and building mm -hmm. ventilators are really different. But, you know, I think the nature of their reaction, which is like, this is severe, we need to throw all the resources we have at it, is Mm -hmm. justified, or at least there's there's an argument for it. And his opinion was, because CNN said it, it's bogus and baloney and, like, none of what they're saying is true. And
0: so... Right. And, and who on CNN? Like, was it like I, it, the station's main or it was it somebody matter. that came up with an opinion? But at, the, at their point, if the fact that this person was willing to come on CNN, say this ridiculous idea, it's automatically stupid. Is what you're yeah,
1: I, I don't know. He had, he had just said about something he heard. It was CNN radio, actually. So I don't know if that's just like the audio of their live television or if it's something completely different. Um, but it was. I think Philip's right that it doesn't really matter if it's like a broadcaster or somebody they invited as a guest or who it was. The fact that it was coming from a network that he saw as untrustworthy, in part because his chosen man to represent him said it was untrustworthy, was enough. And as long as Trump was saying, um, basically, like, it'll go away, it's not a big deal, it's just like the cold, that's what most of my coworkers and most of the clientele that mentioned it, that was kind of their opinion. And so it seemed closely connected your political viewpoints and your response to the coronavirus outbreak, you know, even before it was called a pandemic, like those two things, how you felt about politics and how you felt about the coronavirus were, seemed to be closely correlated.
2: Mm-hmm. I read one article that talks about the 2009 um, swine flu epidemic, and they actually have pretty good data on that at the beginning both Republicans and Democrats thought it was serious, but it quickly got politicized. So Republicans were um, charging the Obama administration of fear-mongering and too much big government, yada, yada. And uh, if you lived in a Republican state, you ended up being more likely to catch the virus and die. Because there was much less, much lower rates of uh, vaccination once the H1N1 Vaccine came out, and people didn't take it seriously. And you know, you had Rush Limbaugh, and you had Trump on Fox News saying that um, he wasn't going to get the H one N one vaccine because the Obama administration told him to do it. <laughs> so, um,
1: and that's that same that same viewpoint writ large. It's like because somebody else told somebody I don't like told me something, I'm going to do the opposite.
3: Right,
2: which in a sense, like. <clears throat> very american right that's kind of why we like them it's kind of right. why we're not british pay more pay
0: more taxes on your tea, no so then the so the question so andrew beyond this person that um was having the issue with it, the fact it was coming from cnn like what has been your experience around people's reactions to all of this so the And what would your circles general? How would you generally define your circles? So
1: I exist in a couple oddly odd circles that don't really overlap that much. At church, um, most of the people I interact with would be college or higher education, um, generally considered you know upper middle class or even professional, and they would be right of center with right leaning uh, um, cultural values, but neoliberal economic values probably and the guys i work with and the the cust the client many of the clients of the shop would be much further to the right culturally as well as like economically well actually that's kind of getting skewed but that's a whole other podcast where the political parties are today but they would be uh protectionist they would be very nationalistic they would be pro-trump up and down, left and right. Like, one guy, he's like, I usually didn't vote, but I'm voting for Trump. Like, he's my man. And so that gives you an idea, like, politically where they are. Um, And some of the things I've heard are, you know, it's just like the cold. It's no big deal. It's going to go away. We're going to develop a vaccine. An interesting one I heard just this morning was I've been around uh, animals and cattle my whole life. And so they have all kinds of viruses we don't have. So my body's seen everything. I'm going to be fine. It won't infect me. And that'll be true for, you know, people that, have lived around that have lived not in cities so like this is something that affects people Uh, in cities because they're you know distanced from nature and animals which like i was like on what basis are you saying this and he's just like well that's the way it is i'm like ah
2: biology yeah like
1: because you decided that is a great reason for this to be true um name and claim it yeah exactly (laughs) and so i've heard things like that i've also heard like the flu kills x number of people a year and some people have a fairly good handle on how many people it kills some people you know you're like where did that number come from and then, it, and then you know you have to have the, the whole discussion of like yes but this is in addition to that most likely and this is 10 times give or take deadlier than the flu it might be maybe 30 40 times deadlier than the flu and it's like and it's more contagious than the flu so Let's not pretend it's just the flu or just a cold. Like, somebody told me, it's like, oh, it's just a cold. You'll get over it. The only people that it's knocking off are people that already have respiratory, you know, diseases or spent 40 years smoking. Well...
0: Which is how it was presented early on. Well, and it's... Which, especially... In conservative circles. Yes, I was going to
1: say, especially from a certain media standpoint, because there were other media standpoints that were like, hey, this is pretty serious. And the CDC has been warning us for, like, 15 years now that sooner or later something bad is going to happen, like... Something that we don't know about currently is going to infect people, and it's going to spread, and we don't have a, a good plan. Like, the mechanisms n- are not in place to respond effectively. Um, so, I think it depended,
0: depends, or depended. Bill, Bill Gates Bill Gates said that, like, six years ago, five years yeah, ago. Yeah, I mean... Uh, Saw a video on that. Yeah,
1: like, people are all worried about <laughs> the existential threat of an asteroid, but nobody thinks about the existential threat of a viral or bacterial bird. infection that either is a superbug and is undefeatable, or nearly so, or is sudden and completely unseen to the human uh, immune system. Like, no human have it ever, human immune system, at least that we know of, had ever seen this virus before the middle or late part of November. Sure. Um, so anyway, kind of back to your question, the, the circle that I work with in that clientele would definitely be very sanguine, like, what's the big deal? Why do we have to shut all these businesses down? Don't you know how much economic harm this is causing? But, like, the people I would uh, associate with at church are much more like, and a lot of them are, I shouldn't say a lot, a higher than average percent would work in the medical field as well. And they're much more like, Mm.
0: you know, we need to... Yeah, because you're in Hershey.
1: Yeah, I go to, uh, yeah, the the church I go to is in the town that has a, a major hospital. So there's a lot of nurses and doctors and so on and so forth. And they're very much like church was canceled pretty quickly and, you know, they were responding like, hey, you know, we're cleaning all these surfaces, we're doing all these things, you know, here's how you can stay in contact with people without being, you know, gathering in a location and we, you know, don't gather in groups more than, it was 250, then 50, then 10. So, and they were, you know, I was kind of getting an avalanche of emails as things were changing and I haven't talked to some of those people directly in part because I haven't been able to meet with them, Um, but I think the overall opinion is kind of like this is serious it's not something to be afraid of but it's not something to ignore or be sanguine about or just pretend it's going to somehow go Mm -hmm. away on its own so those are the two circles and the two responses from the two different groups broadly speaking there's people in both groups um that defy the averages and their their compatriots in that group but that's how i would classify them okay What about you, Joe, Uh, the people you run into? How are they responding? And where do they lie politically and socioeconomically?
0: Um, Most of my conversations have been digitally through this. So it's been – or through like, hey, should we have church? Should we not have church? That kind of stuff. Um, Trying to make decisions decisions on that. So it seems like generally speaking – if you're conservative but not in the health field or don't have family in the health field, you tend, the the people that I've interacted with have tended to say uh, like at most, this is probably something we should be mindful of and maybe be just like washing our hands a little bit more. But beyond that, like we don't really need to do too much. Um, I think the seriousness is finally caught up with Now that it, now that there's been mandates coming from the federal government, um, on things. And, and like, I feel like Trump has addressed it in a much more serious manner, which is changing people's minds a little bit. Um, or, but if you're, uh, if you're conservative, um, but you have people in the health care industry, uh, they've generally taken this much more seriously, um, from the get go. If you tend to be more on the, the liberal side it uh, seems like uh, that can range anywhere from similar to people who have family in the healthcare, like, hey, this is a big deal. Um, it's going to have implications. We need to be careful. To like, holy crap, um, this is this is this is insane. I'm so anxious. I I don't even know what to do. So mm-hmm. it's been very very interesting. And then sprinkled throughout that is you know people who would say that they're Christians um, having a myriad of of thoughts as well from ranging from like this is judgment or maybe this is the beginning of the end times to like hey we shouldn't be fearful of this at all like god has a son of control and yeah so that's it's been a very it's been a varied conversation (laughs) which is that which is so fascinating
1: what you said about like the fear thing (laughs) i found very interesting because there's a lot of a lot of people I interact with are like, What are you so afraid of? kind of thing, I'm not afraid of no
0: coronavirus. I'm like, Well, I don't know if anything I'm not afraid I'm not afraid of fire either, but I don't light a fire in the middle of my house of and be like I'm not i f I'm not afraid. Yeah,
1: exactly. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't think fear and prudence are the same thing. I mean, what's Shakespeare's line? Discretion is the better part of valor. It's like, you know, sometimes picking your battles is more important than winning your battles. So it's like Yeah. Let's pick our battles here. And considering we don't actually know what we're fighting in a lot of ways. Like, we've only been researching this for 75, 90 days at the most. It's like, yeah, there's a lot we don't know. And so let's not assume things. Like, we don't know what the long-term effects are. There's some evidence that there's long-term lung damage even to survivors. uh, Especially, Yeah, especially survivors that wind up in the ICU, like scarring in the lungs, decreased lung capacity, stuff like that. So it's like... Maybe, yes, it's not killing that many people, but we don't know how many lives it's altering. And we don't know, is that like a five-week, five-month, five-year, five-decade kind of thing? Like, is this permanent, or is it like, how long is long-term? Like, there's just no knowledge. And then you think about things like uh, the shingles slash um, chickenpox virus. You get it as a kid, you get itchy, you get a bunch of hives goes away but it can come back 60 years later and make you like deathly ill people die of shingles in their old age when their immune systems right yeah so it's like we don't know what that will that virus continue to live in you somewhere like will it migrate from your upper respiratory Mm -hmm. tract into your nervous system the way other diseases can like there's just unknown answers to that and saying oh it's not that big of a deal seems like crazy risky for what gain like a couple weeks worth of work
0: Right. Yeah. Which I mean, there's there's a there's a myriad of, of thoughts on that too. Um, that's my gas line. <laughs> the, the, the heater's kicking on. We're not. Lo- we're no longer professionals, so I don't care anymore. <laughs> I, I, should I turn my furnace back on? I turned it off a little bit ago. Yeah, you can turn it back on. Yeah, it's fine. Um. So the other. So there's 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 two things. This is like one. This is. I have I have a couple friends who this is directly impacting. Like as far as their income, you know, they were kind of. Paycheck to paycheck as is, and now all of the things that they do are considered non-essential. And so, what what kind of recourse do they have? And then it's like, well, now they need to go for a file for unemployment. But what if unemployment's not enough? Like, you, you know what I mean? There's oh, like, yeah, sure, I there's mean, a whole things there. There's tons of people that are going down that route. I mean,
1: we had yeah. caterers and wedding venues that are like, we're doing nothing till May at this point, and we don't know what's going to
0: happen then. And you know, yeah, it's starting to become a yep, chunk we had of revenue. A big, We had a big, me and a friend had a big event. We were going to do it. We do a sound lighting thing every year and that's, that's canceled at this point. That was a good investment for us. And, um, but, and the other thing that, that you, when you said some things and plus I pulled up Facebook and it reminded me, um, (laughs) all, everybody's been making very interesting comparisons depending on the, the, the level of, of how how much they believe this thing is legitimate and to what level they believe they it needs to be responded to and it's been very interesting to see people compare things like like Obama's response to was it SARS or H1N1 like all those things everybody's chill this one's so less and I'm like well are those numbers like the the entirety of it like like there's there's so much more nuance that seems to be missing from most of the conversation
2: i think this is a, um, has the potential to be, and looks like it's shaping up to be a history altering moment. I agree. Um, and people don't have categories for it. We haven't had anything at this level. And so people are kind of grasping. Um, I think it takes a long time for us to process. Uh, you see that on Wall Street. Investors are trying to process what will life look like? What will the economy look like? And there's just so much uncertainty. Um, you see that in politics and people are trying to find what the new normal is going to be, uh, trying to cover themselves uh, from potential criticism down the road, making sure that, you know, look, I said we should give $1,200 to every American (laughs) way back when um, because I knew this was serious. So people, um, you know, in every area are trying to figure out where is this going? And we have, we really don't know Um, this has the potential to be a lot more serious than what, anything that we've lived through. It could be, you know, it could be June and we're kind of all over this and it's a, you know, two quarter recession and the economy bounces back and people are back to work and there's, you know, it could be vaccines developed fairly quickly and, and by this time next year, we're kind of joking about, remember that coronavirus stuff, that was crazy, um, But it seems that the direction it's going and how quickly the virus spreads, how easily hospitals can get overwhelmed, um, it seems that this is going to be a history-altering moment. And people don't have categories for that, so they try to compare it to things that they do have categories for. And I think there's one of two general responses. One is uh, panic. Um, straight up fear and the other one is trying to downplay it but also out of fear thinking that if i find some other people who think that nothing's going on this isn't a big deal and they kind of agree with me and we kind of laugh about how crazy those panicking people over there are then i don't actually have to be afraid
3: you have to address it i don't have to address it
2: yeah because um, we don't have categories for this like um we've no one that we know has lived through anything like this unless they lived through the Spanish flu, which was, uh, was worse than Well, and that's 102
1: but. years ago. So even if you managed to live through the Spanish flu, the oldest you might be <clears throat> at that time was like, what? Single right. digits.
2: <laughs> An infant. Yeah. Five, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So uh, I think... Do
0: we know what people, how people did do? in Like, I mean, I know how it impacted the death wise and everything, but, you know, do we have any record of people speaking as to how things impact and how they handled stuff during that and how like the people who came out of that successful so quote unquote like because i mean i'm sure somebody documented that somewhere right
2: oh yeah um but it wasn't really taught in the history books for most of the 20th century because the people who lived through it didn't want to face their children and tell them how poorly they poorly they acted Hmm. Um, because it really brought out the best and worst in people yeah and people acted much more selfishly As than most
0: they... history, history, cha- history <laughs> <Yeah>. level <laughs> events. Well, do. I, I think we there's, forget there's about lot how much
1: racism and eugenics and stuff like that was considered normal. And so calling it the Spanish flu and whatnot was a way of making it their problem. It's like something that happened to us, not something, you know, mm. the, there was an enormous parade in Philadelphia in the midst of it that people were like, maybe we should call this off. Like, nah, it's Spanish flu. It's not our problem. And it killed literally
2: hundreds (laughs) of thousands of people yeah yeah and there's rioting um there was a report my mom was talking about that said uh like there was people in detroit sending out messages like hey guys we're really close to civil breakdown (laughs) society is is about to fall apart up here can you send help please (laughs) Uh, so it was not pretty um
0: so, what should be, uh, I mean, from your guys' opinion, as I know we have so much wisdom under our belts, mm-hmm. what do you like as you guys have been talking to people? Because I know we've had, all of us have probably had many different conversations with many different people. What has been the most, maybe what has been the most helpful responses
2: that you've heard? I, I'll say yeah, a few things ahead. first and then thinking but um today i listened to a podcast that was better than this one that's that's <laughs> not saying a lot. Done yet. um one of the things they said was this is uh, you shouldn't really compare this um your first category shouldn't be judgment on america or on the world it should be more like the time of testing it should be a trial
0: oh, we listen to the same podcast
2: did i send it to you yeah the, the mere the, fidelity mere fidelity yeah yeah and he said uh So you can correct me if I get some of the details wrong, but um, we should be thinking about um, trying to come out of this, realizing we are going to come out of this differently, and it could uh, make you better or worse in a sense. But what are the things, what are the habits we should be trying to build into our new normal uh, to make sure that our faith um, comes through this stronger, that we're helping the people around us? How can we be uh, useful aware of the people that are most vulnerable around us um, and be thinking about um, in a sense, uh, being strengthened by the time of testing rather than being uh, having our faith exposed as being weak. And I think even if you don't have a faith, that you know, that same thing is true like um, if this is a serious, If it is as serious as we feel it is right now, um, society is going to be different at the other end of this. So, how do you be proactive and thinking about what kind of person you're going to be on the other side of this?
0: Hmm. All right, what you got? Well,
1: I I was going to kind of approach it from a little bit more of a pragmatic standpoint, but. think maybe that answer should have gone first. But anyway, I was going to say the, no, <laughs> the okay. most the most helpful responses I think I heard had a lot to do with like, okay, what can you control and what can't you control? And what are the you know best ways to respond to that? And one of the things we can't control is how it spreads in other people's actions. So it's like don't worry if you see somebody in the subway that's not wearing a face mask. Like That's not your problem. It's not your job to enforce something there. But do pay attention to what you touch and how you sneeze and when you wash your hands and who you interact with and how. And that's where it's like social distancing. That's something you can control. If somebody steps into your pri- your personal space, step out. Like I've had to do that a couple times with people who either unaware or didn't care. I'm not really sure, but like, you know, we'd be talking about something and they'd stand like two or three feet away from me and I'd have to like take a step back. And a couple of people like inadvertently chased me around like, I just I don't want to stand this close to you, but I didn't want to like say that. (laughs) It seemed a little rude to just come out and be like, "Hey, stay back." But in retrospect,
0: you make you got to make a joke about it. Be like, "Hey, uh, sorry, I'm practicing the uh, six foot COVID nineteen distance." Can you uh, do do me a favor? I'm trying to stay coronavirus free. Yeah, it and so I've kind of said some things like that, and I get two reactions.
1: The one's like, "Oh yeah, totally." I'm sorry, you know, it's I'm still working on. It's like not normal to me yet, and the other one's like. What's wrong with you? What kind of idiot are you? And so I don't really care that much. How they respond? One that won't die. <laughs> well, that's statistically <laughs> already true. But anyway, um, but it's also like in my position as the face of a of a business, and even if I disagree with the owner at times, like what's my responsibility there? Am I? Is it more important for me to protect uh, um, the business or to protect my health? You know what I mean? And, like, some people say, well, obviously, your health. I'm like, well, in some ways then, like, maybe I should never go. I mean, I'm risking being injured every day I'm at the shop. <laughs> so it's like, obviously, there's some level of trade-off, And so that's why it's, you know, as Philip was saying, there's no, like, there's no rubric to pass this through. We can't say, oh, yeah, you know, you know, I have rules for when this happens, this is how I act. So the most helpful thing I think I heard is, like, clean services, sneezing or cough into your elbow, Wash your hands regularly. Stay further apart from people than you normally would. Don't gather in groups. Like, flatten the curve. Everything you need to do to flatten the curve. And to my future self who has forgotten about curve flattening, it's basically spreading out the normal distribution from a, a small peak to a long, broad hill. And that allows the capacity, the spare capacity of the healthcare system to be used over a long period of time rather than a short period of time. So it's basically lessening the direct impact force by lengthening the time rather than shortening the time. Um, so the same amount of people can get sick, but they're more capable of being cared for. So that's, from a pragmatic standpoint, I would say that was the most helpful response I got. Hmm. From more of like a, a mental and heart standpoint, I think that's probably talked about a little bit less in the circles I've been uh, like at the shop, namely, in part because that's not something <laughs> they <to> think about. <laughs> Uh, although my yeah. b-
2: mental health crises isn't a common topic, yeah, exactly conversation at here, your auto shop, <laughs> I did. I got told I was. Well, that's, that's
0: what me and the guys are always talking about at work. <laughs> I got told I was.
1: I seemed stressed out, and I was like, mm, "Interesting. Like, maybe I'm just taking this seriously, and you're not." But to him, that was like, "You're stressed. I'm relaxed. So this is your, like a problem you have," and I was like. Hmm. it's an interesting way of looking at it like I understand why he said that and I probably there probably is a level of stress that I'm exhibiting but I I don't I don't feel afraid like I don't feel ah, I'm debating if I want to say powerless because part of me definitely feels powerless but a significant portion of me doesn't too it's like I guess the parts that I feel powerless about I'm not worried about because there's you know it's outside of my control and I you know my faith would say I believe God's in control so it's like not a whole lot, there's no point in me worrying about it. But I spent a lot of mental energy trying to figure out, like, what is a good response? Like, is this something, like, taking it seriously, what does that look like? Is taking it seriously something I should be doing? And trying to actually make accurate judgments and not just use shortcuts based on, is the person saying this somebody I like or not? Which is what I've observed other people doing. And that's, I feel like, m- mentally lazy and kind of a, a, a cop-out of actually having to think about your own response. So I don't know how hmm. well that answers your question.
2: Yeah, that, that answers it fine. I think that response is a little bit of the protect, protectionistic streak we have in ourselves, that um, we're scared to think about something like this. We're scared to think that, you know, your parent might die, or you might have five funerals in a month at your church. Or that
0: CNN could be right
2: about something? Right. <laughs> well, and <that's, laughs> yeah, and actually, no, that's that's for real, though. And
1: that's, and that's um, something I've been telling people. Is... Like, the one guy, the guy that worked at that um, wedding venue, you know, he was joking about it. This was probably a week and a half ago. And I was like, well, look at it this way. So, you know what? Say 300 people, roughly. And of those, what, two dozen, maybe 30 of them, 10% are 65 or older, including your parents? All right, pick one. Who dies? Like... like if we don't do something about this, that's kind of the way it is. Like, which one do you want to off? And then realize you don't have the choice. And he's like, oh. Uh, I kind of ran through the statistics. Like, this is the death rate. You know, this is what's going, like, the rate at which it's spreading. We're probably looking at 40 to 70% of the United States population contracting it. If we don't do something about, it, more more something about it. And, you know, when I kind of ran through the stats, he's like, well, maybe I should make a Fewer jokes and take a little bit more seriously, and he has kind of changed his tune to be a little bit more like, well, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then you know it came down from on high that their business was shutting down for at least two weeks, and you know they voluntarily were delaying weddings and so on and so <laughs> forth longer. Um, but it was interesting to see how you know there was a sense of like it's a joke up until it's not, and so I've been using the, like, okay, who dies? Pick who dies. That's kind of my way of, like, trying to drive that home. And the other thing I wanted to say earlier, I think really matters too, is, like, how close you feel it is. Because it's interesting, some people's reactions have changed as it's gotten closer, (laughs) which, like, makes sense on one level. Like, it's really easy to make fun of Chinese people eating live pangolins or whatever they were doing that caused this, you know, the kickoff of the virus jumping from an animal host to humans. But when it's like, oh, people I know are getting sick, like there's somebody that tested positive at my wife's work, which is the case of the one person that I work with. Like maybe Hmm. like uh, she works at the VA hospital. So there's thousands of people there and they have like sectioned off the hospital. Uh, So both physically and temporally, like their people aren't, aren't allowed to leave their time block and their physical block. So like, even if somebody who has your job needs help in a separate section of the hospital, if it's not your section, you can't go over there and help them. And that's basically, that's, both time-wise, like, you can't cross shifts, and also physically, like, you can't go into that part of the building, like, that floor or that subsection, in part to try and compartmentalize any outbreaks, which I thought was a really interesting Hmm. response. But he's, he is still very much like, you know, he told me today, you know, I said, at what point do you, like, start to have a different reaction? And he's like, I don't think I need to. Like, well, what makes you, like, smarter than the professionals whose job it is to, like, Think about these things. Well, I have family and friends in the medical field and they're not worried about it. So I don't think it's not going to be anything. I'm like, well, what if they're wrong? Like, this isn't their job. Like, they have other jobs. They're, I don't know what what all they are. I know his wife is a uh, respiratory therapist. So she'll be getting the brunt of it if it does sweep (laughs) through the VA. um, It's like, what if she's wrong and how severe it is? Like, then what? And he's like, well, she's not. And so it's like, no capacity. To even contemplate and like view forward what your actions might need to look like or should have looked like in the future to make decisions about what you want to do today. And that's been really, I mean, in some ways that is more terrifying than getting the virus at 32 years of age. (laughs)
2: I have a lot of things I want to say, but I feel like Joe hasn't talked in a while. <laughs>
0: that's fine. That's, that's kind of the format of the podcast. I intro. Andrew runs with it. Um, yeah. I, hmm. So I get to say all my stuff? So, okay. So I'll say my – let me say Let me say the things that have helped me. And then I thought it would be interesting to, uh, like, take things that we've heard, like our arguments we've heard either for or against, and, like, either support it or deconstruct it. Um, so you guys can tell me what you think about that after I'm done. Um, I think for me, what's what because I initially started out with like, yeah, we'll wash our hands more and we'll be careful, like. But I don't know that this is something that we need to be. And I mean this this was probably like two. Week, I guess it'd be like two weeks ago now. Like I don't think that we need to have anything really that 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 inc- that great of a response. But for me, as I started. Talking to people who not only were in the health field, but actually were um, like involved in some sort of a response or research or something like that, and hearing that the it was a fourteen day, um, what's the term, gestation period or whatever before you start incubation incubation yeah I was like wow that's a really long time before showing one to fourteen
1: days I think they think the average is around five right now is that what you understand as well Philip.
3: Okay,
2: I think the average is getting pushed lower and lower, okay. The average incubation it's, it's period getting is closer
1: to l- being lowered, two days. but it's still possible that it
0: could be fourteen days or more, okay, right. which is still pretty i mean it's pretty significant, like think about how many people you could have interacted with in just two days, especially if you're in a job where you're like me on the field so the those those were helpful just having conversations with people who had direct relationships with others and then also thinking about it from a standpoint of i mean I, Phil and I listen to the same podcast i like that but um i'll mention some some other things there uh but just just trying to think like what do we lose like when somebody asks the question like what do we lose by being a little overly cautious on this on the upfront mm-hmm. um wouldn't we be like we'll always know how we could have handled it better um but you know if we if we had made those decisions now could we have avoided some of the loss and and the loss isn't just a bunch of people got sick or hospitals got full but like people die. And I thought that was really helpful. As far as the like the podcast I listened to today, I I felt like I liked the the emphasis on like introspection in this, like what's motivating you to think the way you're thinking? And I feel like that's been a conversation that I've been trying to have with lots of conservatives <laughs> over the last four years. And, and it just seems to play into, into that a lot. I mean, on both sides, but like, why do you think the way that you, you think that? And I think the church has an opportunity right now to, to, Invest I, I think the biggest criticism from Christians has been that the church tends to be overly focused on Sunday and production, mm-hmm. and this is forcibly removed right. that as an option, and so the the church needs to decide well we'll, we'll have to decide yeah. is, it, is it is there enough substance there that we're rela- we know each other relationally and it 's going to force people to consider how we interact with one another and I like that the one guy said he's he chose a certain group of people and he's gonna either call them text them video chat with them um, every day and which is more than what most people would most of us will do on a regular week <laughs> because they're like well we know we're not going to see them so we have to make sure we're intentionally seeing them and hearing them and I think that was just a really neat a neat way, uh, to start thinking about, about things. Um, I mean, I have so many thoughts beyond that, but, uh, I think, uh, we can move on. If you guys want to, we can move on to the, 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 the debunking. <laughs> uh,
1: th- there is one thing I want to add real quick, uh, which is, sure. you know, when you talk about like the pro con kind of like, well, what is the risk benefit and risk reward, the risk is unknowable, and I think that's the biggest issue for a lot of people, because we don't know what the two mm-hmm, yeah. alternatives look like. We don't know what either looks like. Like, being overzealous and stopping it in its tracks? Like, what does that look like to the economy? We've never tried something like that. Doing nothing and let it letting it sweep and become endemic instead of just pandemic? Like, we don't know what that looks like really either. Like, we might regret it's either endemic. of those choices, but I, I think we... We're fairly comfortable that we can recover from an economic downturn caused by everybody pretending two weeks of the world doesn't exist kind of thing versus, okay, how do we deal with another endemic viral disease that's wiping out, you know, up to 15% of people 80 years and over? I mean, statistically speaking, it's possible if no handle has gotten on this whatsoever that the average Life expectancy decreases for a period of time because of how many especially old people are being you know pushed over the edge by this infection and so when people are forced to like calculate you know do you want this or do you want this thing they real you know it's pretty quick that nobody knows nobody knows what your options really are, so what are you comparing it's the unknowable versus the unknowable, and so I think the people who are tend to believe that hype is worthless, will say, well, I might as well just keep working. It's nothing but the flu. And the people who, you know, want to go to rallies every time something doesn't happen the way they want it to tend to take things more seriously. And I think you can err in both directions. And I think the real challenge is going to be walking that line carefully in a way that is both, you know, not bankrupting more people and businesses than necessary, but also not, you know, creating more problems in the future and for future generations than necessary. And
0: so how do you do that? We're finding out. Socialism. I mean,
2: oh, we're finding out. I was thinking,
0: I thought it was socialism. Isn't that what we're supposed to say? <laughs>
2: right. I think I think you're onto something, though, Joe, that um, this will change politics because um, – as they said in the podcast we listened to, that some of the solutions that are being proposed are only available to a authoritarian surveillance state. And so they might become appealing to some people during a season like this. Like, why can't we have our government doing more and more? But on the other side, in China, um, a lot more people were being confronted by the realities of a country that tramples on people's human rights. You have people, you know, police dragging people out of their apartments I'm saying, I'm not sick. And the police are basically saying, we think you're sick, and so we're taking you to the coronavirus place, that coronavirus hospital. Basically, if you aren't sick, you will be when you get there. Self-fulfilling so prophecy, definitely- huh? <laughs> right, <laughs> right. And so, um, you know, people in China are experiencing the harshness of their government firsthand in a way that may be changing their minds. Um, either way, it's not going to leave people the same um, it's going to change the political conversation in America Hmm. Hmm. and around the world. Um, Do you
0: think that we wind up becoming more okay with that or do we respond in a more negative? Like we see how bad it was and we go, we never want to even come close to that.
2: um, I think there's, uh, I think it's going to be, it's going to push people um, in a few different directions one could be more nationalistic if um, we had only closed the border sooner is, if we didn't have trade with china right that kind of thing right if we weren't reliant on china for medical supplies and you're already hearing a lot of those things and people saying chinese virus and in china them blaming on the the u.s army and within china people already you know it's changed so fast from them complaining like why is the rest of the world saying that this is a Chinese thing, it's a global thing, and now they are like treating foreigners in China really poorly. Hmm. Um, so it's like, it's changed so fast. And then also, it could be this could break the trend towards, towards nationalism that's been going on the past few years, where people kind of realize, you know, like it or not, we do live in a global world, and we only beat this thing through global cooperation. I don't know, the last time that happened, um, it took 100
1: million deaths in World War II. To, you know, swing the nationalism pendulum pendulum towards globalism.
2: Right. Well, let's let's talk about, um. Let's talk about that because uh, so the biggest health crisis, in our lifetimes, has been the AIDS epidemic by numbers. Um, I think thirty some million people have died, uh, since the, uh, early. I 80s. Say, that's almost
1: forty years ago, basically.
2: Well, people were still dying. Oh, I, um, I'm, when we were I'm just saying it's case,
1: stretched out. Like, it's it's 30 right, million right, lives right. spread over 38 years or whatever it is like that. So the intensity, yeah. it's it's been long and relatively right. intense. And it hasn't been that shock, even though there's a total of right. nine, right. almost 10,000 deaths worldwide or something like that. But it's been a shock because the right. vast majority of those deaths have been in the last three weeks or so for coronavirus.
2: Right. And... And the way that our minds work is we're seeing the news saying death, 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 death death every day, and so it's, it's more shocking. But I think the AIDS crisis did force the world to work together in some ways, Um, but and it's been a big deal for forty years, almost forty years. Um, No, yeah. Have you have you felt
1: directly impacted by anything in the AIDS? h i v crisis or or epidemic or whatever you want to call it, because I feel like you're either in that world or out of that world, and i don't i mean I have some theories why, but I feel like a lot of people feel like that's like an over there or a them problem, and I think part of that is because the way you catch of- it is pretty intimate right either whether it's transfusion or s t d or however you want you know wind up catching it it's not something that just right. happens to you you're like Generally speaking, aware of the process.
2: Yeah, I think I think that's the case. But I, what I'm trying to say is there was, um, it's it was a big story for a long time. That's true. Um, and I was just trying to do some math and saying like, okay, if a quarter of the world's population gets this uh, virus and uh, half a percent. Um sorry, I was scrolling through Facebook distracting yeah, Phil. <laughs> I think <laughs> trying to see reactions. <laughs> so I I gonna go back to my math. Facebook is distracting. So if a quarter of the population gets it, and if the death rate goes down to half a percent, that's still ten million people. And that those are very conservative numbers. So if you change it to half the world getting it, and the more realistic like closer to one percent. Yeah, one percent. That's 40 million people, roughly, not quite 40 million. So uh, that's huge. And I do think that, you know. And in what time frame? Two years? 18 months, two years. Wow, that's crazy, yeah. So um, I think those are the kinds of numbers that could force the world to say, we need to work together, like get Xi Jinping out of China, get Trump out of uh, Washington, D.C., get boris johnson out of bolsonaro London, out of, of brazil
1: have you heard some anything yeah. from there
2: mm-hmm. oh he's being absolutely ridiculous. and the guy in the philippines yeah. derte Duterte, or however you say his name yeah
0: all right so what are the things that they're saying because i'm not familiar so, with this at all
1: uh, if i can speak for brazil for just a moment basically he was like not a thing not a thing not a thing even as 16 or 17 members of his like inner circle have tested positive, some of which have like dined with Trump, which is one of the reasons he wound up getting tested. But he's basically been like, you know, it's not a thing. It's not going to happen. But we're talking about Brazil where they have like favelas where people live, you know, cheek to jow. And if one person gets it, they're all going to get it. And their systems, their healthcare right. systems are already like not really well suited for the population they have. And... Ah, uh, the risks are really high, and there are okay. 500 right. cases now. And he's finally so the the th-
0: all the denial of the seriousness of it is, is
1: largely that. And he right. was basically claiming it was a foreign issue, and it wasn't going to come to our shores. And if it did, it would like be foreigners would bring it, foreigners would have it, foreigners would take it with them. It's not going to happen to Brazil. And now they have 500 cases, gotcha. n- demonstrated cases, and Sounds they were like squandering time that they could have right. been preparing and developing testing and all that kind of stuff, just like we did.
2: Yeah. Yay America. So I wanna make a note about um America's response because uh, I watched this pretty closely. I actually have my That's first true
0: you were like on this like way when it was happening like right. in because, China really early.
2: Yeah, I, I read my first article about this in December. Okay. Which is like it That's was crazy,
0: it was three months ago.
2: Yeah. Announced in des- like the very end of December. Um but I actually have my first conversation with you, Andrew, about this. And I was freaking out about it on January twenty seventh. So I feel a little bit prophetic. Um, <laughs> but the first time, when I realized, when they announced there's person to person transmission, and they think that it can transmit before you show symptoms, and the the transmission rate is higher than SARS, I was I told Sarah, this is going to be the story of the year. This is going to change our plans. And it and it has obviously, so I do feel a little bit vindicated. I'm now uh, my last. I like, feel big, you were right. My last big prediction was when I saw Trump come down the escalator to start his campaign and talk about Mexicans being rapists. I turned to Sarah and said, "There is no way he's ever going to be president of this country." <laughs> okay, see,
0: so you just don't want us to. You want us to make sure we have a proper perspective of right, your right. I just feel ability. like a back.
2: A back right <laughs> um, but anyway, Xi Jinping. Created a culture in which uh, loyalty to him and protecting his political power was more important than the truth, which was actually a change somewhat for China because they had given a lot of power to technocrats, uh, people who were very talented in, in management and governance, and they still wanted to keep the party in control. But the system had been that the Communist Party, um, like <laughs> the fools that kind of do the party stuff, were subservient to the experts who actually did the governance. But that has changed under Xi Jinping, where everything is about protecting your own butt um, and making sure things look good for Xi Jinping. And so when there's bad news coming out and saying, we have a problem, we have an outbreak of a virus, they lied about it for weeks for political reasons. And then once they responded to it, the news was all about how Xi Jinping... Uh, Well, first, actually, he put his vice president in charge of it. Um, Ball guy. And then, right, exactly. Uh, And then he disappeared for a while. And then the news has all been about how Xi Jinping is leading the fight for us to have complete and total victory over this virus, virus. And almost demanding gratitude to how great a job he has personally done in fighting and defeating this virus. And in in America, wow. we have exactly the same situation happening. Um, but Trump has created a situation where people, in within his administration, like there's there's reports that Alex Azar, uh, the head of Health and Human Services, did not tell Trump how serious it was because he didn't want to get fired. He didn't want to be the bearer of bad news, um, because Trump is definitely a shoot the messenger leader, <laughs> and so he tempered his own reports to trump knowing that trump wanted to see low numbers and be told this is going to disappear it's just like the trump fluke. isn't shoot the message and then, trump
1: is shoot whoever's in the room
2: right and then tom hanks gets it the nba cancels its season and white people in italy are getting sick and the stock market crashes and all of america decides oh this is actually serious and trump says oh crap like my political future is on the line and this he is actually around, serious. <laughs> I knew this was a pandemic. This is going to be a pandemic from the very beginning. Look how great a job I'm doing. And he can't stop talking about himself being the one who's personally going to stop this pandemic. Um, and so it's exactly the same Can situation. Can he please try? Because
1: I would love for you know him to experience some of the right. front lines. Our, of...
2: our best hope politically is that <laughs> the people who've been running for president... <laughs> in both parties are just
0: maybe wow are you saying wow are you saying what I think you're saying I'm
2: right not now? saying they're gonna die i just oh. say that maybe they're in the ICU for a while
0: they're so sick they're so sick they can't run the country so, right. so, no, so no they, confidence. they should at least okay. experience I think I saw it. that on House was that House of Cards that <laughs> <laughs> right. I love that episode in House of Cards spoiler alert <laughs> don't, just kidding okay. I
1: don't watch that show so
2: maybe cut that part out what the part about me wishing Trump to get to
1: get are you afraid he's gonna fire you
2: (laughs) yeah not gonna be able to go back to China
1: you already not can't go back to China but not because of Trump not directly anyway because Xi Jinping doesn't want any more foreigners bringing back because isn't that correct me if I'm wrong but that's probably their greatest risk at this point is that it gets
0: reintroduced because we don't we really have no idea right
2: yeah and (laughs) it's not like a
0: whole bunch of people build up antibodies And it's it's, no,
2: they had 34 new cases yesterday, and they were all imports. They had none today, is what they claim. No, they had no community. Oh, is that what it was? Gotcha.
1: But do you believe it? That's always question number two when it comes to Chinese news.
2: Well, I think I do in this case. Um,
0: Did CNN report (laughs) on it? Well, I can
1: tell you who didn't. No, I think considering there's... three major US news services are getting their a number of their journalists journalists booted
0: from the country. Mhm. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, it's not good from CNN.
2: Lies. <laughs> That's how you can tell. Um Yeah, there's uh the distrust and tension has only grown on both sides of the Pacific because of this and you know there were senators saying that this came out of the wuhan biotechnology research lab that it was a bio weapon that was intentionally released so you have u.s senators saying like stuff like that china's going to respond in kind and they've had a very coordinated campaign telling their own people that it was a u.s army um plant basically what if it was both <laughs> that's why the u.s army should um, actually release something all right, ro- no, ro- real
0: quick <laughs> Show them what we. Could well, real, do real quick. So, wow, uh, nice, no, right? Andrew. That's not slightly racist. Uh, I have a friend. I have a friend who, uh, their thoughts were on this was well their their spouse's thought was that t- China released this intentionally to quell the riots that were going on.
2: Yeah, people like that need to shut their mouths. Um, you don't think so? They don't understand China at all. There weren't riots in China,
0: um, really. Or protests, maybe it wasn't riots, protests no
2: oh they they're talking about protests in Hong Kong, yeah. I guess.
0: that they released it in hopes that it would spread just enough that people would have to stay inside
2: a a marxist Leninist government thrives on stability, and any sort of instability is a threat to their continuing in power, and so hmm. okay. releasing this in their own country is the last thing they want to do okay, all right that's a good um, that's a good response so they people just don't understand. I need to shut their mouths. I had a guy at Walmart tell me um, that this is good because there's too many of them and uh, we should hope that all the smokers in China get the virus. So.
1: <laughs> As we all know, Walmart is a great place to find sage wisdom.
2: <laughs> he was also complaining that Radio Shack doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah, that's get- a real
0: thing, though. <laughs> for someone who needs tech, sometimes the weird tech...
2: But the internet
1: does. I will trade every Radio Shack ever for the internet. Because you can always order it on the internet. Yeah, you can't have it today, but you can probably have it tomorrow.
0: Anyway, Radio Shack rant over. Not usually tomorrow. If you're willing to pay for the overnight. All right. so back to uh, the uh, the theories. (laughs) Any other conspiracy theories? Should we get them out here right now?
1: I I, I heard both of those uh, as well. Nothing, any other yeah. any other kind? I'm trying to think. There was somebody said he heard one, but he, said. he wasn't going to tell me. Probably because I was. You could. He saw that look in my eyes.
3: <laughs> <laughs> one of us is
1: going to get shredded, and it's not going to be me.
2: <laughs> uh, someone had told my mom that uh, there were actually only 65 deaths. Um, that was last Tuesday, like eight days ago nine days ago like total in the whole world right and it was all a hoax like
0: so how do you know it's not a hoax
2: i mean i guess the earth could be flat
0: i think i think the best
1: response joe in that situation is because we can't coordinate all like this level of coordination for something we want to do like say the olympics like we all think the olympics are great we work really hard to coordinate them and it doesn't come to this level of coordination so if if this is all a conspiracy and a hoax that has suddenly demonstrated the ability of strangers to work together on something that doesn't really seem to be benefiting anyone in a way that they can't seem to work together when it benefits everyone you know what i mean yeah no yeah yeah I'm yeah I, mean, yeah, I'm I understand but like was, for some reason was, that <laughs> <laughs> argument just doesn't make it through to some people's skulls I'm like who is winning who is going yes this is great like I don't see anybody cheering this on and if there's nobody anarchists. cheering this on then it, like I it just gun owners I don't know about that
2: <laughs> I'm just gun <laughs> sellers actually I have I have
1: noticed gun right, prices anyway. moving up like gun prices had been very depressed for the last two and a half years or so. Like to the point where you could buy an okay. AR-15 online for like two hundred and fifty bucks, minus the the part that the government that called that a gun, but was everything else.
0: Yeah, how often do you check that? From time to time. <laughs> All right. You know what? No go- No comment. Yo, it gets bored. I get so, bored sometimes. All right. So here's a here's a here's a uh, one that I've been dealing with this week, and just the discussion is how do we as Christians respond to this? As far as like. Do we have church? Do we not have church? Do we have faith? Will God protect? Like all of that stuff.
1: I I want what to start out thoughts? by saying, Jesus makes it pretty clear that disasters will happen. He talks about the tower that fell on those people when it wasn't because they were sinners, kind of thing. So it's like, don't I? I think it's very foolish and not well supported that like, oh, go to church, you know, share a communion cup. It's not going to spread because you're a Christian. It's like. No, there, there is no promise like that. There is no evidence of anything ever like that happening before. Mm-hmm. So I think that's straight foolishness slash pride and maybe some other things, but I think those two first. Um, and so I think there is certainly wisdom in following you know, professional epidemiologists and infectious disease experts following their advice. But I think the biggest difference between a Christian and a non-Christian is fear and your reaction. I think a non Christian knows that, you know, he has not, uh, a Christian, I'm sorry, knows that he has nothing to fear in this world, including other people or viruses, which aren't technically even living. It's like neither of those, though they can kill the body, will affect his soul. So there's no reason to fear it. But that doesn't mean that you're sanguine about it and you just pretend it's not there either. I mean, like you said about starting a fire in your kitchen, you don't like, like, God can keep me safe as you, you know, overdose on something that will probably kill you. It's like nobody does that because it's foolishness. So that's that's my immediate off-the-cuff reaction with absolutely no citations.
2: I'm loving all of this because uh, my reality in China is trying to figure out what the line is between um, wisdom and a lack of faith in God. And the, uh, at the same time, the line between risk and foolishness. And now everybody else has to answer that <laughs> same question. Um, so Matthew 10 is the, you know, for, for missions is the, um, and you actually quoted that, uh, you alluded to it a second ago, but it, uh, Matthew ten sixteen talks about be sending you out as sheep, uh, among wolves so be as wise as serpents and as innocent as doves. Um, and so there's a wisdom that we're called to have, um, but at some level, that wisdom undermines our faith in God, what we call wisdom, because fear can masquerade as wisdom in our minds. Fear makes what we think, what we're afraid of, seem inevitable, that this thing must happen, even if statistically it seems unlikely. Uh, fear can make it seem inevitable and lead us to do things that seem wise but are actually um, actually unnecessary and display a lack of faith in God. So that that is one side of the equation. But the other side, um, you know, something like meeting together on a Sunday as an entire gathered church, um, we have commands to gather together, but that doesn't mean we have to gather in large groups. We can gather online or we can gather um, two families at a time in each other's homes or Um, things like that. And so there's no specific command on the other side. Um, I think overall this situation is challenging people's illusion of self sufficiency economically and with their own health and just predicting the future and feeling like I know the way things are going to go. And this shows, you know, kind of pulls the curtain back and shows that we are, a lot more fragile than like we imagine. We, always,
0: we have this opinion in America, especially that things are moving in a positive forward direction and we'll always continue that. And this is really sh- shaking that foundation is what you're saying.
2: Right, exactly. Yeah. And that's, I think people are going to be searching for all kinds of sources of stability. And some of those sources of stability are going to be unhealthy.
3: Hmm.
2: And that that may be a trend towards more nationalism but i do also think it's an opportunity for evangelism because this is going to be one of the moments in our peers lives where they're confronted with the reality of death and they're confronted with the reality of their lack of control over life and so there may be an openness in some people who otherwise um you know wouldn't be asking these questions so so we need to be open to the people who who are looking for stability and want to hear what christianity has to say
0: Hmm. you know i spoke to it a little earlier too and as i think that this um we have so fundamentally tied christianity to the space in which in which we worship Mm -hmm. and this is challenging that as well um challenging our thoughts and our opinions and um budgets. I mean, I think I would imagine you'll see a change in the giving patterns of people at churches as well, which would, you know, will have impact on these 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 buildings that require money to maintain, um, you know, and salaries and, and to maintain as well. And I think the church has a really a really unique opportunity to step up and be the church to one another. Um, be the people of God um, mm-hmm. that are that are the way that we've been designed to be from the beginning, having things in common. And I think the question I have is like, at, is there a line? Like, is there a line to be drawn for us? So, say somebody in our church gets um, coronavirus, but they need some sort of care that they can't get in the hospital. Like, let's just say. I don't know, something that where they need to be taken care of, like, do we risk helping them? Do we risk getting it and contracting it and helping them by being at their house, making sure they have food or whatever it is, like whatever this, this, this situation is, or do we say, well, we got to stay away. or We self quarantine. Like what's the, where do we, where do we, I would imagine back in the Spanish flu, there were pastors and evangelists and having the same conversation is like, mm-hmm. I just need people still in these areas still need Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, am I willing to take on the risk? Am I willing to get sick for the sake of Christ? And where do you draw that? Where do you, where is that line drawn? <laughs> and what do you use to, yeah. to decide? I mean, scripture, obviously, but what are the things in scripture that we use to define Are you willing to die for the sake of Christ? If getting sick seems way less than that. Sure, but am I willing to get? Am I willing to let my family die? Am I willing to get somebody else sick? You know, not knowing that mm-hmm. I have it. You know? Sure. know, yeah. Go ahead. Phil. The
2: witness, the witness of Christian history, would say, um, "Yes, take care of them." In the Black Plague, in the Spanish Flu, in in Roman times. Christians were noted for taking That's care of people. That's why there
1: were so many Christian hospitals, too, because that was one of the only places to go there, sometimes in history when you were sick.
3: Hmm.
2: There was no such thing as a hospital before Christians invented it. <laughs> like, a Christian was the first one. Uh, I think his name was Cressus or something. In like the 370s, built a building at great cost to himself to take care of sick people. And everyone was like, you are nuts. (laughs) Why would you spend your money to try to make sick people better? Um, They didn't have places where you could go to get better. And in the bubonic plague, um, Christians were more likely to survive because they got some care, whereas most other people just abandoned their family members. Um, And and basic things like just having someone uh, give you water and food uh, and you know, keep you clean while you were you know in bed rest was enough to help a lot of people survive. And mm-hmm. so, the testimony of Christian history is definitely that yes, we take risks to care for people. Um, Spurgeon lived through an epidemic in London, and he said he had a lot of speaking opportunities across England at the time. He canceled all of those to be at home with his local congregation. He said it responsibility of a pastor is to be with the sick and dying um, to care for the spiritual needs of those who are sick and that's what he did um, and that's what the uh, puritans that he looked to did 100 years earlier um, and so uh, obviously we need to look to scripture and not just church history but the people that we look up to in church history have answered this question by saying, yes, we risk our own health to care for the people of God.
0: So on the other end of that then, so I think there's a difference. The scenario is different where we say, do we close our gatherings for the sake of others or is the best thing for them to be gathered together, It's the best thing for them spiritually to be gathered together and all of us be willing to take a little bit of risk in the the knowledge that, When somebody gets sick, we're also going to support them. Is it possible
1: that the best thing for them spiritually is to not be gathered together and to take that time to recognize that there is more to church than simply existing in the same building as somebody else and singing the same songs and hearing the same preacher preach? Like, I I think we can all agree, while that's an important function of the church body, that is the building is not the church body, and it's important for the members of the church body to understand what being a Christian looks like the other six days of the week. And that's, you know, something in some ways I've been struggling with too because I, I agree with Philip very much, and I think you too, Joe, that, you know, it is important for Christians to be partaking in the caretaking and to be giving of themselves to help others. Um, and I wonder at this point, like, is my responsibility— I don't know anybody that's sick. Let me, let me start off by saying that. I don't personally know anybody or even— uh, any acquaintances that or like acquaintances of friends or friends of acquaintances that have gotten sick. So I don't really know how to help in any way. So is the best help I can do to stay home, even though it's financially difficult in some ways. So it's like stay home from work. That is just to be clear, because I, I have not yet been commanded not to work. Um, And so it's the question I think when the rubber hits the road is like, What is the most help you can do? So I I don't know if you have any thoughts about that, Philip or Joe.
2: I have a few thoughts. You don't know anybody who's sick, but you know a lot of people who are out of work, uh, who are going to be in financial distress, and who are stuck in their homes, which may be a temptation for them. They are by themselves with access to internet, or they're by themselves and they are Uh, Relationally needy people. It can be a mental health crisis. I had a friend uh, in China who Has been tempted to commit suicide over the time that he was stuck in his house Um, And so you do have friends you do know people who are going to be stuck in their houses already Um, And so you can be the church by staying in contact with them and encouraging them one way or the other Um, And what we've done with our little church in China um, is read the Bible together. So uh, I haven't joined it very often because it's, it's at a pretty inconvenient time for me. <laughs> but they gather. Um, there's you know four to seven of them, and they're reading through the Bible. They just finished Exodus yesterday morning. Um, and so they just do three to five verses at a time, read two to four chapters a morning, and maybe four to five days a week. And they're doing that in a small group, um, same time every day, and talking about it. And that is, it's been super refreshing to be a part of that group. Reading the Bible together has become very normal to them over the past eight weeks. So that's something I think we could start doing is having Bible reading groups Especially if you're stuck in your house all day, you realize you have no time structure. There's no. no you can like, do whatever you want, whatever you want. Right, and so it's your like days can kind of. I was going to say, kids. what are you talking <laughs> about? You can't leave
1: our <laughs> children define our time structure, no matter
0: what else is going on.
2: Right, right. Not everybody has little kids. Yeah, but
0: there's a lot of stuff in between it, between those normal time uh, structures.
2: There's no. There's you still have to kind of. Uh,
1: they
0: need direct supervision
1: give all them the time. Structure
2: yeah right and there's going to be people who are like your toddlers who have been living under a very structured lifestyle <laughs> and now they're stuck at home with no structure and giving them something every day at 7:30 p.m we are going to have this call and we're going to read a chapter of the bible together and pray for 15 minutes um, that could give them structure in one part of their life do you guys do you guys know anybody yeah, I like
1: it. uh Uh, I have not interacted with anybody who has actually been either self-quarantining or observing the stay-at-home order with any kind of seriousness. And I imagine some of you do know those people, um, and there's a lot of people I haven't talked to, so I'm not going to say, I don't know anybody like that. But it, it occurred to me, it's like, I haven't interacted with anybody that was like, man, this is hard, or something like that.
0: What are you defining as seriousness? As in, like? Like, like, what, like? They're, they don't go out anywhere. Ever they're not going for to their job. Or, yeah, I have a couple. I have a couple friends this week that have had to deal with that. Um, one of them is being paid. Uh, one of them is the company's deciding to to dig into their coffers and and pay their employees. And the other one is uh, they took them down from like forty to forty five hours down to ten hours. Um so I guess that's not really self the the quarantining side of it. I think that what I think the new governor wolf's new thing goes into effect on Correct. Saturday. That's when enforcement I think begins. next next I think next week is going to be the week that right like really challenges people um initially with the boredom side of it, but I think financially mm-hmm. it's the week after that is when you start seeing people now I mean I've talked we've talked to people who have had just less work, if depending on what their field is, but mm-hmm. nothing where it's just full on I can't do anything
2: well, let me tell you what my friends thought in China uh, when this started. Um, they were heading into Chinese New Year, and they were told we're just going to have everybody stay at home for Chinese New year and then we're then they said we're going to extend it by two days and then three days. you know that Chinese New Year started january twenty eighth My friends are still not home um, wow. There's still a third of people in china have not returned home and that's only within the last week that another third of them actually did and so it was they thought this is just going to be a week this is just going to be two weeks and ended up being um six eight weeks not eight weeks yet but it's it ended up being six weeks where they weren't working and then as things have reopened there's not much demand for anything and so and the schools are still closed so
0: that's been my thought is like, you know, once, once this is all done, it's not like everything just goes back to normal. Right. You know, it's like there's, there's a significant amount of people now that don't have income to spend or they're going to be rebuilding their savings or, mm-hmm. or whatever.
2: Yeah. And, and so there's small businesses that went out of business in China and there's already, on the way over here, I was listening to uh, NPR and they were talking about, Uh, small businesses here in Pennsylvania and there's already restaurants that have closed and they were in a financial position that they will not be able to reopen. Mm -hmm. So there's already a hit and they think based on what has already happened, they're going to lose 800,000 travel related jobs in the U S. After nine 11, they lost like 180,000, something like that less than 200,000. Wow. And they think now based on what has just what's occurred so far. Was that CNN though? (laughs) It was smart talk. Okay. Um, So I think people aren't feeling it yet, but yeah, next week, two weeks from now, three weeks from now, people still aren't working. And if, you know, San Francisco, I do know people living in San Francisco who are in a shelter in place situation. Um, New York hasn't done that, but they may. And, that may be the situation. Like,
0: like they have to get groceries delivered to them. They can't go out at all. Or like, what's what's the level of quarantine there?
2: Um, I don't know how it's being enforced in San Francisco, but I think it's it's only groceries is the. Hmm. In China, it was for like 150 million people in China that who had the strictest shelter in place. It was one person from your household could leave every three days to get groceries, and they had to be back in two hours.
0: Wow.
1: Do you have any idea how hmm. that was enforced? Was that the, the, the party minders, the 90 million party people that could come out and,
2: woo, party people, yes. uh, come out yeah. and
1: be like, oh, we're checking up on you.
2: Yeah, so this is where China's surveillance state get comes into play. They had an app on everybody's phone. And based on your movements, based on your temperature readings, you were given a green, yellow, or red light. And then there was checkpoints put up all around the city. And to get out of your complex or to get into a store, you had to show your green light. Um, Did you have to show your 666 on the back of your hand? I'm kidding. (laughs) Essentially, yeah. So (laughs) if someone got sick, they took the location history from that person's phone and matched it against the location history of everyone in the city and figure out who was in contact with them and notified those people and turned their lights to yellow. So that's the level of tracking <laughs> and tracing that they use. Yeah, I know South virus. Korea was Do doing think something Americans similar. would be okay like with that? People
1: it? were getting alerts on their phone. Yeah. You're currently within six feet of somebody who has it. Like, oh, crap! <laughs> or you were, at, right. you were within X number of distance <laughs> of somebody who has tested positive on this date at this location. Right. And can you imagine trying to pull that Using kind of thing your... in the United States? First of all, we don't have the infrastructure. Second of all...
2: We would rather kill all of our old people
1: <laughs> Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. <laughs>
0: them die. Like, no
1: way. That I mean that is a that's great so way terrible. to get all the good old boys with their
0: AR fifteens out in the street. Well don't they say that like it's only like the small the small uh, percentage of people have own all the uh, guns? Um it's <laughs> Sorry, no, that's another podcast. Don't answer wrong.
1: that. <laughs> most most new guns are already bought by are bought by somebody who already owns a gun. That makes sense. I got gotcha. you. So yes, there's something like a hundred million guns owned in the, in the United States, but they're owned by. Are you 25 saying 25 million be people or
2: something
0: like that? I think it's.
2: I'm saying Joe and I. Let's go change that statistic tomorrow. Uh, yes. <laughs> <Woo-hoo>.
0: <laughs> All right. So is this the end times or is this judgment on the world? I saw. You know, I want to pull. Are there any that one other up. alternative um, explanations?
2: I think. That's actually asking the same question,
0: I mean they kind of are um sorry, I want to pull the one up that was i i like it was so direct, I was curious um they said if second, Chron- second chronicle seven thirteen to fifteen good from, news the, from the good news translation I didn't even know there was a good news translation, but um it says whenever I hold back the rain. And then in parentheses, Australian wildfires, or send locusts to eat up the crops in parentheses, Africa, or send an epidemic on my people in parentheses, COVID-19. If they pray to me and repent and turn away from the evil they have been doing, then I will hear them in heaven, forgive their sins and make their land prosperous again. So let's start with the judgment question, because I think we can answer both. Are you look. Oh, Phil's looking it up. On is it logos or logos? How do you say it?
2: I say it both ways, and one of them's wrong. <laughs> they could both be wrong, but you know, at you least, least one of them. At the is con- wrong. Are you looking the
0: context? In the is that the elect standard version? <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah. So, you, first of all, I just that?
0: want to say about that little passage
1: that Chronicles is clearly referencing. Uh, a specific time period when the people of Israel were a nation and were expected to maintain uh, certain regulations that do not apply directly in the Age of Grace. And so I think that is one of those things you can easily point to and say out of context and misused. So anyway, I'm just going to start off with that.
0: Yeah, but that's an easy argument anytime. Doesn't... (laughs) So, so you don't think? So you're saying that God would never do any of that in current da- times?
2: I would say two things. There, uh, Andrew's right. This was um, after the dedication of Solomon's temple. The Lord appeared to him, and so the situation is very um, specific to the uh, to the covenant. It's a covenantal language, um, and we don't live under the old covenant, and so there's definitely. A difference that God does not necessarily interact uh, with His people as a um, as a nation uh, in the same exact way. Um, there's obviously disagreements uh, about that to some degree, but yeah, you're essentially right that um, that's taken out of context. Um, I think more importantly. Um, or not more importantly, but additionally, there's a problem when we start looking at what is happening in current events and applying labels to it as if we know exactly what God is doing and thinking, um, this uh, pandemic is judgment. And I know that because Second Chronicles 7. Um, we don't have that level of um, understanding about what God is doing. I think reading Isaiah... Really help um, clear that up because um, the people of Israel had no idea. And they were, even Isaiah, who's being told what God is doing, is confused about why he would work in the way that he did. Um, Where he's using a pagan, a really evil nation to judge Israel. And then he turns around and judges that really evil Assyrian nation for being proud in their judgment of Israel. (laughs) Um, God is doing so many more things than what we understand and we don't have the right we are not um, (laughs) deputized (laughs) to make proclamations that we know exactly what God is doing I think if your pastor says it that doesn't make it any more true <laughs> i mean this wasn't
0: this this wasn't my pastor i just want to make but sure i'm can on pastors
2: that. be wrong <laughs> if they're godly aren't yeah. they deputized though <laughs> but if he's a godly man and you see the fruit in his life can he say anything wrong joe yep <laughs> um, <laughs>
0: <that off>. um <laughs> all right so it's not it's not judgment is it the beginning of the end times, or but could it be the end times?
2: So uh, that question presupposes a certain view of eschatology um, that I don't ascribe to. So I'm gonna.
0: So you're you're not a, uh, a seven year tribulation, then God comes back.
2: I'm not a. I I don't think there's. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna be careful what I say. (laughs) Um, The pre-trib, post-millennial, or pre-millennial dispensational system that we were brought up on um, has very few fans, adherents in the academic world today. It's pretty much thrown on the dustbin of history already. Um, There's some good things that they're trying to say, but it does not work as a system. Um, So, no, I don't. There's premillennialists who have like, a historical premillennial position who, who could possibly say something like that, but I don't think so. Um, I think there's good evidence to say that um, what is being talked about in uh, John's revelation is uh, a schematization of history, saying these type of things will continue happening During the end times, which started at the resurrection, at the resurrection ascension, or actually started with the coming of Jesus. Um, All right. So,
0: So could this be? This is the. Could this be a indicator that Christ's Christ's return is sooner, no, rather than later?
2: No, that's not the way. He he makes it quite clear that you won't be able to
1: tell ahead of time when he's coming back. Right. Like a thief in the night, like
0: you know, right. he says, "If uh, the homeowner knew when the burglar was coming, he'd be awake." It's like, if he came, if he came, if he came right now, I think we'd all say we didn't know. No matter when he comes, <laughs> everyone will say they didn't know. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just making this obnoxious now. Are you I'm getting apologize. tired, Joe? Um, no. I, well, yeah. I'm, he's no. I'm this. good now. When I'm got some, I got I got some cheese. It helps with the toilet paper. Um, so. The next question is and why why aren't one of the things i've seen more recently is people saying why aren't we talking more about the people who have survived COVID-19 I guess like, uh, all what? we talked about <laughs> is the people who died and how many people have it but we don't we're not looking at all the people uh, who didn't I die. think that is the the
1: person saying that has already presupposed to use Phillips big word one of his big words of the day a certain view of the historical events. (laughs) And I think it's unfair to say that that's all that's being paid attention to, because I think I just was reading research that was talking about the potential for long-term lung damage in survivors. And so they were specifically not looking at people who died. But I think um, in the world of epidemiology – there are different types of endpoints and death is the clearest endpoint. You can say, yep, this case has a resolution. It has come to a point where we know what the outcome is. <laughs> and, and that makes them very easy to count. And people who have recovered are actually difficult to count because when have they recovered? What is recovery? You have to start defining terms and it gets a little messier. It's like, that guy's in the ground. That's the end of that story. End of business. You know, end of like, that's all there is to say. Um, and so they're easy to count and they're numbers that tend to get collected st- in a straightforward and honest manner and they don't tend to, they, they really don't change. Like, you could have somebody who quote-unquote recovered, gets it again and then dies. And then, so it's like, did he ever recover? Was it a reinfection? Like, there's questions. You don't get people who died of it then come back to mm-hmm. life, you know? it's like So I think the concentration on deaths is because they're easy to measure. Um, but I don't think it's fair to say that that's all anybody pays attention to, and I think that that's that person, if I were to guess, revealing what they pay attention to and the fact that deaths is the thing that keeps scrolling in front of them and they want to see something else because it's the only thing they can pay attention to.
2: Hmm. Ooh, very Freudian. I movie.
0: apologize. You say that one more time? No. understanding. Uh, like say, 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 say that last... the. that last bit one more time. So the fact that they're seeing the death number uh,
1: exclusively because that's all that they can pay attention to. They're tunnel visioning on that, and they have an inability to see all the other things that are being talked about because the deaths is what dominates their own psyche. Mm
2: -hmm. I think the death numbers dominate human psyche to some degree because it's the... Inevitable um, sentence that's been pronounced over all of humanity that we like to ignore. We like to think that we statistically have we don't know that yet. Something like this:
1: the observed death rate of the human race is only about ninety-three percent.
0: That's <laughs> the observed
2: death rate. Right. I love that. <laughs> uh, that's the wrong. That's the wrong kind of. Study. Am I using statistical
1: analysis in the wrong way? Possibly.
0: Yes. Wait, you mean statistics? You can make statistics say what you want? Well, no, you just have to
1: phrase them well.
0: 80%.
2: (laughs) So, I think um, deaths are shocking. And um, people have talked about, uh, like, we could save more lives than this if we all went to autonomous cars. Or, like, we could save more lives... Uh, like, more people die from the flu every year. Um, but it has something to do with human psychology of seeing um, seeing new deaths reported every day. Um, Triggers our reaction much more than seeing uh, collected numbers. <laughs> Saying, you know, 35,000 people die in auto accidents every year. We're kind of like, eh. <laughs> that seems pretty low. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we like, how many people die of you know, heart disease and diabetes? And I'm like, give me another Snickers. Hey, you got to die of something. You don't it's want to be like... laying in
1: your deathbed dying of nothing.
2: And, and honestly, pneumonia, which this causes, is a pretty good way to go as an old person because you kind of just fade out and it's quick and painless. So they used to call pneumonia old man's best friend.
0: Painless? I thought pneumonia was relatively painful when you can't breathe. You... I've always been on the assumption that not being able to breathe is relatively so painful. it's you don't it's necessarily
1: like, notice your inability to breathe. Your organs, shut your down. brain slowly loses oxygen, right. and that's what makes you pass out. So you pass out like your brain. You uh, lose consciousness long before you die. Where other diseases, okay. you get to it, be conscious as you die. Like people with cancer, for instance, like their brain is functioning great in, in a lot of ways. It's like all the rest of the bits are just coming apart, and they're. Feeling it and witnessing it, and they're there. They, in some cases, yeah. not all. Well, like I got the
2: guillotine, you. like you actually lose your brain and still have consciousness. <laughs> oh, there is
1: something called <laughs> locked in syndrome where the brain functions but it can't communicate with the rest of the body.
2: Yeah, it That's is. That's terrifying. Is that what happened in Kill Bill?
1: Um, no, she was literally in a. That movie? Well,. Okay, that's fictional <laughs> ergo, <laughs> but it looks like a coma no um it from exterior it looks very similar to a coma, but if you put somebody in an f m. r i machine, you'll see all the normal brainwave patterns. There's a few people that they've been able to identify, and one guy in particular, they were able to like, hook up a computer and he can actually communicate now, and he's told terrifying nightmarish stories about nurses feeding him tea that was too hot and burning his throat. And he could feel it. He was very much aware. And they would just leave Barney on for hours on end, assuming it meant nothing to him. And he would just, it was like, I prayed for death. Like, and he he, he actually taught himself how to tell the time based on the sun in his room because there were no clocks. Because why would somebody in a coma need a clock kind of thing? Um, but he could see everything and his brain was working perfectly fine. Uh, He just could not communicate in any way, shape or form. He could completely hear it when his mother said, I hope you die, Um, you know, which was actually kind of a merciful thing to say, but he still had to like hear it and couldn't respond. And yeah, it's the kind of thing that chills you to the bone in some ways. And on that
2: note, yeah,
1: oh,
0: gosh, man, that's
1: <laughs> dark, huh? Oh, anyway, coronavirus, I, doesn't, coronavirus doesn't do that to you. Quickly-ish. You get to pass out and hey. then
3: you never wake up. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Matthew so, 24 seems like a walk in the park after hearing that. Yeah, story. <laughs> man. So, does your
0: political view <laughs> impact your response to the coronavirus? <laughs> so, real quick, based on the poll, by the way, Andrew. Um, I can't really tell like if you chose uh Republican, but so most of my, um, so we we're pretty mixed. I had uh, 16 people. So about forty, forty three 43% answered they're Republican, uh, 18% Democrat and 37% were independent. So, um, and that includes the people who asked me if libertarian counts as independent, um, And most of them – most of them said uh, – 62% of them said they felt like they were uh, conservative and then uh, the the rest were split between progressive and moderate. But what's interesting is that 63% said – which I guess is actually the same as the conservative – 63% said that they feel like this is somewhat legitimate – that it's a big enough deal that I'll do my best to follow the guidelines and to stay healthy. We had two people that said, "Well, I don't think the world will end, it will take a long time to recover from this. And But we still had three that said, pretty crazy. Yes, people are getting sick, but most of this is hype and panic, probably caused by fake news. So, here's some more comments. More people
1: believe it's fake news than think it's going to take a long time to get over, is what you're telling me. At least yep. in your mm-hmm. tiny yep. 16-person and then there sample.
0: Yeah, yeah, my, yeah. And then the, there was one person that answered. Um, uh, I know people are getting sick, but we're blowing this way out of proportion. I'll probably still go out. Well, did you did you see? So they, that must have been a millennial that was heading. That's down what to I was going to say. It's like
1: <laughs> down like carnival in a uh, in uh, New Orleans. I guess it's not really carnival. It's spring break at this point. But there's like woo party time. I say
0: we just we should just put. We should just put them all out on a cruise ship, like anybody that was on the beach. Put them on a cruise ship, and they can be the ideal sample of what can happen. Well, in an outbreak. if
1: they statistically,
0: they're pretty young, so
1: there's, there's unlikely to be a whole lot of issues. But there's some. I say no, there's some good evidence, true. but no, they can more still get it. Evidence They that won't die. Actually it affects them. That's what I'm
0: saying. they' but there's a perfect. The, the statistics have shown that you. The, maybe I'm wrong on this. They're the changing point, rapidly. So. The statistics that I was that I was seeing was not that you wouldn't you were likely to you weren't unlike less likely to contract it mm-hmm. as much as you were just less likely to die. Correct. When you but there that. appear to be it's possible
1: there were some confounding factors in the early data. And as we get more data out of Italy and France and Germany and South Korea, it does appear like with a ro- robust Western medicine flattens that curve a little bit and it's not. Quite as deadly to seniors, but it's it's possibly more deadly to like the so thirty five plus crowd.
0: Are you saying we're 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 weaker when we're younger due to Western medicine? No, it has I mean. more to do with the way um, the
1: Chinese were gathering data.
0: Okay, um, well, so anyway, I still think put them on there, put them on the ship, and let's see what happens.
2: Forty percent of hospitalizations in New York are people. Um, 40 18, to 50, right?
0: 18 oh, okay. to 30, 39. Hmm. Yeah. I heard that that was, it was a
2: lot higher. Um, they're still getting hospitalized. I read a terrifying story in the New York times of a 29 year old nurse. The two 29 year old nurses both got it. Both got serious. Uh, both became critical and were on ventilators and one died and one recovered. Really? Yeah.
0: 29 healthy. And it sounds like your, your ability, your body's ability to sustain, like, just how severe you get it really has a an impact on how you can handle, how you can weather that.
2: Right. They think with Which the lady crazy. who died in that situation, she had the best care of anybody in the city because they were trying – she's she's a nurse and it's, you know, the doctor's on – It's new, politically right, good for right, them right,
0: right. to succeed in that,
2: keep And them they alive. think that her body actually – I think what it's called, like, uh, cytoplasmic. I don't know how to say it. But there's some sort of shock where your body – He's trying to fight it off and attacks itself. I I
1: read something that Um, you actually, your white blood cells, when they swing into action, will actually destroy some epithelial cells that are lining certain parts of your uh, air passages that are actively mm -hmm. keeping bacteria out of your lungs. And so, it like, the pendulum swings too far the other way, and your body's like, kill everything! Except it also kills the gatekeepers, (laughs) and then the gates are not well defended. The gates to your lungs, that is. And then you get viral and bacterial infections that are multiplying rapidly. And
0: So they go into Hulk mode? Yeah, something like that. So, yeah. And there's a lot they don't know.
1: I mean, this is very preliminary. They're, you know, only dissecting bodies now in some ways. I mean, now is now 90 days old or so, but you get the point. It's like they're learning as fast as they can, but they're still learning. Yeah. I
2: had uh, bacterial pneumonia a year ago, and it was worse than anything I've ever had, Um, like sickness-wise. It was a year, it was like 14 (laughs) months ago, Joe. You don't need to slide away from me. (laughs) Um, But, like the lowered oxygen capacity Hmm. just really knocks you out of no energy for a whole week. That's crazy. Um,
0: So do you know what's what's even crazier? Here's one of our respondents. Is it an engineered virus to take out the old and sick? Here's another one. Media has made it scarier than it is, but it is serious. And I think most people should be taking a month off to get, to get it under control. I also think, Warmth will quell uh will quell it for the season. It may return. In that's November. the great
1: mystery. Nobody knows um, if that's the way it'll work.
0: It you know, there is a flu and cold season, yeah, there
1: is, but measles is a year round problem thought, when you don't have herd immunity.
0: There is I thought there was some evidence to suggest yeah, that, that might be the case.
2: There's some evidence that tropical countries uh are having a lower Rate of spread—it's still spreading, but not nearly as fast as Northern Europe.
1: And that's kind of everybody's kind of hoping. Wuhan. Like, thank goodness in the Northern Hemisphere, we're going from winter to spring.
2: Suddenly,
0: suddenly everybody moves down south. Just don't go past the equator because they're going to fall. All right. Fall. So, um, all right. The other, it's a hundred percent real. It's also quite contagious, along with many preceding epidemics/slash pandemics. It is also. Overhyped into hysteria by the media, hence empty store shelves, Generation Z will unfortunately be the ones to elongate this out of the quote, no fear, unquote, mentality. Sometimes fear can be a positive.
2: I think the the connection between empty store shelves and um, media hysteria is a misunderstanding. Um, I think it's reality that, you know, in Pennsylvania, 51% of money spent on food is in restaurants, and if people are going to be home and restaurants are closed they need to get their food somewhere and so it's just a just a supply chain logistics they like the grocery stores were not
0: able to double their capacity overnight um, not based on the photo well not based on the photos that i saw though i mean what? i had some friends who went out to uh just get like they were just at just normal shopping out at uh, costco and yeah. a couple other places and there were people there that were like they literally had like five or six cases, like the big, like, of things of toilet paper or paper towels.
1: Hey, toilet paper so is going to be currency are. in
0: the coming apocalypse.
2: <laughs> no, I I think pe- there's definitely a fear aspect to it, but to assume that it's um, because the media hyped it is.
0: I see what you're saying. I like, think it started with. I
2: think it's. Um, this the is my, NBA getting canceled well, frees everybody out. Well, <laughs> that, that
0: was part of it. But no, I think personally, it was the media saw a few people that are just the type that anytime anything bad might happen stock up. Mm-hmm. And so the media promoted, look at this, people are doing this. And then social media in, in addition to that hyped it up. And so now everyone was like, well, crap, we're almost out. And if it's, if everybody's going to be doing this, I need to get my, you know, get my piece right now too. And, and, like I even saw this I was watching this video today of this one lady that was this lady had six things in her cart of like the twelve rolls of toilet paper and this other lady's like I just want one They had just gotten out of a fist fight and she's like I just want one and the lady's like, No, we got here first.
1: <laughs> Yay America Rugged individualism You can get all uh, this toilet paper you can
3: fight your the way same to thing get happened.
2: Yeah. <laughs> same thing happened in China.
1: Yeah. I The the one thing I would say about the it's just media the reality of blowing things out of proportion, I think the cable news network environment slash internet, like news on demand all the time, means that the media in general, and this is conservative and progressive medias, media, uh-huh, it's already plural. Um, they tend to make everything a shouting match because the louder you shout, the more viewers, the more clicks, whatever it is. It's it's a And Short. so when something right. serious actually happens and they need to shout, like it's the boy who cried wolf kind of thing. And Everybody so ignores it. You know, sure doesn't matter where you were, it's like either, you know, Obama's gonna take your guns was being hollered at you for eight years or trump's gonna tear down our institutions has been hollered at you for the last two and a half almost three years four years kind of thing and so if you hear shouting all the time if somebody comes and starts shouting you're gonna get coronavirus and two million americans are gonna die it's like okay (laughs) oh yeah Yeah, exactly the gun thing that never happened (laughs) yeah you know it's like no we still Mm -hmm. have a department of state
0: like trump hasn't that's why news stations shouldn't be funded based on it,
1: exactly, ratings, but but, you know. but what I'm saying but is he did. There's there's no the, capacity to, to, to actually <laughs> react in a proportionate sense to the risk because yeah, everything has absolutely. to be a hundred every day.
2: I think that's um, goes back to the conversations you've had with um, some of the people at work um, who I hope don't listen to this podcast or don't know it exists. I, uh, I have. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't um, but I think they've they've kind of learned their tone from that media uh, echo chamber Trump? Cert- no Trump Trump's always like that's fake Trump it's not real uh, but he is aping a certain tone that existed before him um, and he's he's learned how to kind of make the new story about him but uh, there's a certain tone that that exists, especially in, like, MSNBC, CNN, or Fox News, that everything is dramatic and everything is uh, said in a way that is, like, disparaging the enemy, which is people who disagree with you politically. And so everything needs to be stated in a scoffing way that that dismisses a certain group of people as being idiots. Um, And we can't talk about anything without... Scoffing. And rational discourse another. is like a so compromise
1: of your principles and right. now you're a worthless human.
3: Right. Exactly. Who would ever compromise so with them? You serious. guys are
0: so dumb. So dumb for believing yeah. that Can you believe people <laughs> rational, are doing this? Like, I mean,
2: rational conversation?
0: <laughs> yeah. Nuance?
2: So if, something serious actually comes along and people don't have the categories, don't have the capacities to respond well. Hmm. Because they've been trained for years and years to only respond with outrage and scoffing. Not introspection or not level headed preparation. Or
0: asking questions. Like why is that important? Humility. I like that Joe. Um all right, so two final questions because it's get late. Um in your opinion or in yeah, in your opinion, do you feel like Trump has handled the messaging of of what's been going on with this in a, in a, a healthy way or in a, um, a helpful way. Cause that was one of the things was mm-hmm. one of the, one person said, I believe both Trump and the media both mishandled this. Um, I hope that would be, it can be unifying, um, you know, make, and, and not divide us. But I've heard a lot of comments about, um, on either side, like the media will tell like Trump could cure cancer and he'd still, he'd still get criticized. Um, there's that 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 mentality, and then there's the other side that's like Trump has made this worse by not respond by by acting like it's not that big of a deal, mm-hmm. and then like I mean, Phil, you you alluded to that too, like the similarity between how he's handled with China. So from your guys' perspective, like has there has his response been acceptable from a presidential level, or for what we would expect from our president? <laughs> he has failed to be
1: presidential a single day of his presidency. And I would say the last three months have been no different. I feel his messaging has been erratic. He has not had uh, anything that resembles a plan in either foresight or hindsight. And I believe he has completely failed to understand the magnitude, the scale, the scope, the severity of any of this until it's either too late or he has no choice. Um, So I think his messaging has not been helpful in the sense that, you know, at one point he said, ventilators, you know, good luck states, you're on your own is essentially what he said. And that's not a direct quote. So uh, you, you know, Trump supporters don't bash me for lying. I'm saying the sentiment, not the exact words. Um, but the the fact that he's not leading from the front, he's, uh, he's following this news story, which is not something that he's accustomed to and he's not something that he has, you know, good tools for figuring out how to, okay. I got blindsided mm-hmm. and now I need to develop a plan and be in, get in front of it. He's normally, he loves his go to motives are to, you know, name and shame kind of thing, like give somebody a nickname and then make right. it stick and make them look like the idiots. But you can't, you know, aha, Corona Shamarona <laughs> or whatever, and all of a sudden it goes away.
2: <laughs> Chinese virus. I thought Corona was what were a you beer. saying, Philip?
3: <laughs>
1: Yeah, you can't yeah, intimidate exactly. a virus. And so I think Or can you? I mean Yes have we tried? He has regularly. <laughs> this is not a problem. It's just gonna go away. It's like really? And and so I feel President Trump, as a president, as a leader in general, and as a leader of you know, America, the United States, he has failed to give people direction to quell panic To instill the appropriate amount of like, oh, we need to take this seriously without also causing, you know, I think he's caused two reactions of like, ah, we're doomed. Our president's an idiot. And, oh, there's no big deal. There's nothing to worry about. Our president's a a genius. He'll, you know, it's all under control. He knows what he's doing. It's like, and neither of those reactions are Mm -hmm. good. You know, it's like maybe somewhere in the middle would have been great, but he missed that opportunity. So that's my response.
2: Have you watched any of the um, news? I I watched bits and pieces
1: of a few of them and it just it's so infuriating like his idiocy is on display for everyone but him to see well him and I don't understand why seemingly intelligent people are so power hungry as to hook their you know wagon to that mule but they do and I fail to understand that so I try I try to just get a gist of it afterwards rather than watch it live
2: i actually um watched two of them with uh our parents and there were not my parents i'm not officially related not officially that we know of um yet <laughs> a lot hey, would you that know that. we can use
0: CRISPR
1: to alter your dna so that it's like you're related that's that's true
0: yes all right anyway
2: and that i do want to give him credit there was actually moments where i was like i don't like he sounds reasonable right now and then like five minutes later he would say like do something ridiculous but there were moments where i was like he actually sounds
0: it's like when he when he was willing to read the speech that was in front of him it was good and then you could tell when he went off, o- off swerving briefly into right. coherence yeah, like, wait what are you like what right. are you doing like don't just read, yeah. just read the speech
2: no, there were some moments where I had to get up and walk away because it was, it was pretty rough. Um, one time someone asked him a question about uh, Chairman Powell, Drum Powell, Chairman of the Fed, and he was ranting and and it was just completely uh, inappropriate. Um, but there's other times where someone, they were trying to say stuff about him touching the mic or like, why did he shake hands? And he gave a really actually honest and humble answer where he said like, look, we're getting used to this. Shaking hands is something we're all used to doing. We do it out of habit. And, you know, I'm not thinking about it. And something I need to learn to adjust. And as a country, we're all going to have to learn to adjust in these ways. Mm -hmm. Um, Even
0: using an ATM, I had to use the ATM. um, And I realized, oh, this money that I'm taking, not only do I have to touch this thing that other people have touched, this money that I'm taking out has to go to somebody that... It needs to, because I was paying a bill with it. And I was like, okay, so I'm going to like use a Lysol wipe to pull the money out. I'm not going to touch the money. I'm going to do my best to even just not be a transmitter at all. you know. But, there's, but that's new to us. We have no yeah. idea.
2: I think there's two things that kind of showed, put his family on display. One is putting Pence in charge of it and then not letting Pence do or say anything. <laughs> there's supposed to be a couple uh, news conferences where he was supposed to take the lead. And then at the last second, Trump's like, nah, I have to be the one in front. <laughs> And so that's like kind of shows uh his thoughts on it, and then the doctor fauci um I don't know if you've listened to him at all. He's the director yeah. of the no NIH, he's neither he it's he? the what is it Andrew?
1: infectious diseases and allergies or something he? like that Center It might be in one of those, but that's right. not the title he goes by,
2: yeah every time he talks, it's like, oh, finally someone who is like direct and honest and coherent. And he's willing to say, like, look, our testing capabilities was a failing. We messed that up. And we're like, oh wow. And people, and you know, they try to criticize criticize him about touching the mic. And he's like, look, guys, everybody knows that's not the problem. Let's move on. And so he he like addressed things, didn't dodge questions, gave direct answers, gave coherent answers. And it's like, can this person be our president, please? At least
1: president whenever we have he's pandemics. Like, <laughs> can we can we vote for a panel of presidents on, for different circumstances? I want that guy if there's a war, yeah. that guy if there's a recession, that guy if things are going great, and that guy over there if there's a pandemic.
0: Isn't that called a cabinet?
1: Theoretically, but if <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, if your cabinet exists is full of people who have a uh, what's that called? Cult of personality? Are yes men? Oh, I was thinking, having gotten well, yeah, fired. Yeah, exactly. They've done what it's taken to not get <laughs> right. fired or to get that position. Like, does it really matter?
2: Right. I, and he's someone who's low enough down in the food chain that anything that he's done up to this point hasn't gotten on Trump's radar. And now that there's a pandemic, there's actual, like, normal thinking person around. He's like, How'd you get in here? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Who let you pass the monitors?
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> Who let the.
2: Da- what? Um, oh. Did you listen to the ninety nine Pi about who let the dogs out? Not yet. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> all right,
0: I need to do. I it's been in there. I've been listening to it books it's, instead of podcasts. Is that ninety nine percent inoculated? <laughs> Not the other, oh, but oh, only. Only. <laughs> All right, and final question. So you you as a person, or you as your family, where do you where do you guys fall on with all of this stuff right now? Any practical things or mentally. Can't wait to get back to China to get out of this
1: <laughs> Somewhere where
3: they actually have a
0: handle on it.
3: <laughs>
2: Somewhere the healthcare system is oh never mind. No, it's a mess. Um,
1: I so I find myself in a really unique position, which is that I can work. Um, I've been told that my industry that I work in is uh life saving what What was the term um, basically you need it to survive which I don't know that I entirely agree
0: with especially if yeah. nobody is going anywhere I don't see how fixing <laughs> cars is that important well, but if you have it depends on it depends on what level of survival like so somebody like me if I didn't have my company car we're still considered essential employees so we have a special card that we have to be able to drive if we get pulled over um, saying yeah I don't have anything work. like that and so it's like I've been having conversations
1: with my boss. It's like maybe you should consider like taking this seriously and he's like, "Well, I have five families including his own that I'm feel very responsible for and if I close like what are they going to do?" Like, "Yeah, that's what mm-hmm. everybody is saying." Like Not that And so and so that's why I I feel I'm in a unique position because I'm like as a Christian, where's my greatest like Where's my greatest help? Should I stay home so I'm not a vector? Should I go to work so that I can help people with their cars because, you know, it's part of a life-critical industry? Like, like, and maybe I can give some of that money that I earn because I'm still capable of earning money to people who need it more than me. But I don't really know who they are at this point in time. I'm sure I know them. I just am unaware at this point in time. And so it's, it's I find it a really tough position because my wife is like, stay home. Like, don't get sick. It's not worth it. And, you know, part of me... Agree. Are you wearing a mask uh, Masks work? don't help you, so no.
0: Problem solved. Wear a mask. Now I do, you, wear, yeah, I do
1: a, wear gloves, and uh, we put up signs, and I limit, like, the number of people in the office one at a time, basically. And I go out, I leave the, the building, and meet people in the parking lot where I can control the distance between me and them a little better. And i have really, like... And we try to take credit cards over the phone. We leave keys in it. People drop keys off. The first thing I do is all them. Um, so I've definitely, like, I, I try to be an endpoint. If there is any viral contact, it's the endpoint. It's not a vector. Um, but, you know, where's my, should I stay home? Am I endangering my family unnecessarily? Oh. Am I, you know, because I am in a u- unique position to earn money, should I? I, you know, part of me wants to, like, keep earning so i can give it away but it's like who do i give it to you know how do i make those judgments no one's asked and do i just write them checks and depend that they'll cash it or like Uh, i'm sure you would i already write you checks
2: (laughs) Um, every month i think you should uh you should keep working because the Virus prevention measures that you're doing are better well, than anything else. And that's else the other that point. That's, I <laughs> thought about that, too. It's like, if I leave, like, their risk
1: factors go that's way an interesting up. interesting point. <laughs> I'm the only one that's lysol things. things. <laughs> yeah.
0: So here's what you do. You leave. They all contract it. They're in the hospital. And then you come back. And now things can run the right (laughs) way. If
1: they all contract and go in the hospital, then absolutely nothing gets done. They're the only ones that actually know how to fix things. I just like to pretend. Like, you know, I I forget what that actor said. I'm not a doctor. We're giving giving
0: you concrete solutions. Do you want the solutions? It's like, we're giving you concrete solutions, and all you're giving us
2: is crap. We are just trying to help you out.
1: While I'm grateful for the sentiment, Uh, I mean, Usefulness is marginal.
2: So. For me, personally, obviously, ha- this having started in China affects us in um, church there. Not having been able to meet while I'm gone, it's completely changed our plans for what we were going to do and, and staying in touch with people, uh, and it's changing our return date to China. Uh, we don't. We have an <laughs> essentially clear schedule, except for BroFest, which is a secret. Cut that out.
1: Yeah, you don't <laughs> want the minders coming back later and be like, ah-ha! Yeah. We had it under control right up until that point.
2: Right. I am going to be sad that Nathaniel's not going to be there and probably John. Yeah, and what about Dave? Dave?
0: Yeah. I think, yeah. This is getting awfully personal for a podcast.
3: Yeah, yeah. this is the part you're going to <laughs> cut out, cut, cut remember, out. remember <laughs> Joe? <laughs> right around
2: two
1: hours and I'm 11 not minutes. Anything.
0: In other nope, news, we're keeping it all. it's been two hours uh, and 12 minutes. Even the pre-recorded stuff.
2: So the other thing is, I think Sarah, Sarah's response is more likely to be um, reactionary in very specific moments, like us only having twelve rolls of toilet paper in the house, and her seeing people buy lots of toilet paper. She wanted to buy toilet paper. And that's uh, like, I was
0: thinking, just start using less.
2: <laughs> um, Conserve. But for me, this like I'm a news junkie. And this is exactly the kind of news that can completely absorb all of my attention. Um, I've spent more time reading news about the coronavirus in the last 90 days than reading my Bible or time reading other things or time with my, probably, probably more time reading about the coronavirus in the last 90 days than probably about the same amount of time with my wife so that's a problem
0: you married to the coronavirus
2: (laughs) no so so my thing is like i think i need to start putting limits on like i i just need to lock my computer and my phone somewhere else turn the tv off and go somewhere where i don't have access to (laughs) any way way. of getting news and and just um check out a little bit
3: Hmm.
2: it's interesting to me the world is changing. There's so many different things going on. I think these few months that we are living through are going to be researched. They're going to be talked about in history books and that's fascinating to me. So I'm trying to understand, but it can absorb all of my attention. Hmm. So
0: yeah. Andrew, I understand your, I understand your conflict for sure. I, I mean, I lean towards, uh, you know, working, um, you know, while you, while you can, or, and, and, but while, you know, not being unwise, you're taking the precautions that are necessary, uh, to do. I know for me, I'm going to keep working. Um, and we've already offered somebody, you know, a room if, if their work, if the, if this goes on for a long time, which it sounds like, you know, at least I know that everybody's been saying two weeks, but it's probably going to go on an entire month at, at minimum, probably longer
2: 18 months not to close down but the...
0: no i'm talking about the closed closed down side of it and so just just trying to make sure that, that we're spending our money wisely so that when people have need we can help um because we're we're in a, a unique situation where you know the government has deemed my job necessary thankfully people need electric uh to watch netflix during the. <laughs> which by the way google and netflix are taking up 25 percent of the internet bandwidth right now and in, in or was that England or something? <laughs> so like they're like Netflix, please make everything less, uh, h- less high bandwidth. Um, so yeah, I, I think we're just trying to be wise, doing all the sterilization stuff. Um, but just trying to be mindful with what I, you know, if I if I have to go to the bathroom at sheets or something like that, or get gas, that I'm you know wiping my hand off when I'm done. You know, just doing my best. And just trusting, trusting—I know, trusting that the Lord will take care of me um, in whatever whatever that looks like—and um, being okay with it.
1: All right, I have one final question, and I think we should wrap up.
0: In months, how long sure. until this is
1: considered in the rearview mirror, and the world is "quote unquote" back to normal, or we've gotten used to the new normal?
2: Hmm. Um, are you talking about economically, or? zero new cases period that's a good question
1: um so it can look at a couple of different ways economically is a big one but also like does it become endemic and you're just used to coronavirus season which lasts from october through april or you know whatever that looks like or oh man that was a close call sure glad we shut down the whole world economy for six weeks and we were able to get our you know hands on top of that that was a crazy time two years ago or five years ago or six months ago or like, when, when does the world feel normal again? Even if it's a different normal than now, there's a predictability from day to day. Does that make sense? And it, and it doesn't feel like an aftershock.
0: <laughs> Some, at the drop of a hat, like, everything could go Correct. way worse than it already is right now. Probably never. <laughs> I think... Because we're in the end times, but...
2: I think in six months... That's what TNN said. Um, in six yeah. months, there will be a new semi-normal, and by the following summer, there won't be a health crisis, but there will still be economic fallout three to five years from now.
3: Hmm. I if was. More.
1: I'm kind of in the same boat. I would say I think the health, I think the immediate health crisis will be over in six to twelve weeks. I, I think six weeks domestically, 12 weeks globally, potentially. Like, um, Yeah, I, that's kind of my prediction. And then economically, I think there'll be a new sense of normal in 12 months, but it, it'll still be very obvious in the rearview mirror for, I'd say, 60 months, five years. I think in five years, it'll feel like, okay, that's behind us. But that's my guess at this point.
2: I think there's going to be continued. You gotta ask Joe.
1: Ups. You had your say.
0: I think a year from now we're all going to be agreeing that two plus two equals five. Joe, the dystopian one in the bunch. Uh. Leave it to Joe. <laughs> Leave it to Joe. Uh, well, I I do think it's man. I don't know. I find it interesting that all this technology is available for us to be able to do a pandemic. Think about it. You can get your food without. Without having to leave the house and get your grocery without leaving the house, you can work without leaving the house for a lot of people. You can communicate with people without leaving your house. It's very interesting. Um, however, you can even leave your house without. My your house. guess is exactly. Um, my my guess is is a lot of this will depend on uh, the presidential election. <laughs> um, I think, from a standpoint of the health side of it as long as as long as we don't find that the coronavirus is something that can like reoccur um i think the numbers you guys are talking about like six weeks 12 weeks or a couple months things are things are things are good but if it's something that like you see like resurgence coming back we haven't developed treatments or antibodies or anything like that uh, it i mean it doesn't seem like something that will ever will will go away at least not for a very long time um as far as economically i i guess it depends if uh if if we get if it it what's the best way to say this um i think if it was a it would be especially more concerning for me if it winds up being like a bernie trump um ticket that we're voting because if 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 this is all going on i think socialism sounds a lot more uh, viable um, than it ever has in America um, but uh, yeah I don't know I, I lean towards the. I mean I think the economic fallout we're gonna feel for a very long time years for sure um, especially depending on what happens in the next couple of weeks with with how I mean I, how people feel or how people react um, to it in government and what decisions they make mm-hmm. and money they shell out and where it goes and I mean I do think there's gonna be we're gonna have to make the decisions are gonna be have to be made kinda like in two thousand eight, like what do you let fail, what don't you let fail? And hopefully some lessons that were learned there can apply and it you know, this is obviously a different field, but yeah. I two
2: plus two equals five. Best case scenario is what's happened in China happens here and in Europe. That within uh, six weeks um, we're down to a few dozen cases, um, but I think we are already in a different scenario than China was in. There's cases more uh, more widespread, and we don't have the we don't the lockdown mechanism. We don't have, live in a society that's going to comply in the same way, um, and neither does Europe. Um, and I think worst case scenario. I see in underdeveloped parts of the world, there'd be social unrest and breakdown um, shortages, famines in, in places where there's not coordinated responses. And then the other worst case scenario is Trump says that we need to postpone the election and he needs to stay in charge.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was I, every, that has been something I've been thinking about as like, and of course my mind goes to the star Wars scene where, Jar Jar is like, I vote that we give emergency powers to the Chancellor.
3: <laughs>
0: That's totally where my head where my head goes, and it's like, oh man, I could totally, I can see him at least suggesting it. At the very least, like, hey, you know, this is still a big deal. Can we push this back six months? Which would I be have to disagree
1: with you me. there. I don't think that's possible, simply because they're, especially if it's still an issue, that means it'll have, it's, what, this is uh, March, and that's November, so we're looking like in seven months, uh, seven-ish months, seven and a half months. If it's still an ongoing issue in seven and a half months, nobody, nobody is going to still want him in charge. Does that make sense? And he says, we're going to delay the election, that is guaranteed to get him out of office one way or the other. Does that make sense? Like, I think if he... There's a, there's a lot
0: of people that really like There's Trump. a lot of
1: people that are going to hate the <laughs> coronavirus more. If it's severe enough that he thinks he needs emergency powers and stay in office past his due date, um, I, I right. seriously think there will be a significant portion of the electorate that will have had enough of him and enough of the coronavirus crisis and enough of the economic meltdown that will have had occurred in the next eight months.
2: So I think that's obviously worst case crazy situation, but I think the way that would happen is things die down fairly quickly now and over the summer, it's not that bad, but it gets worse in the fall. Um, And so it's kind of like a resurgence and then people are scared to have a election.
0: It's hard for me to imagine this goes away very quickly based on based on seeing what what's been going on with like, there's the people down in, at the beaches, and and even people that I see out out in the streets now. Like, peop- there's a n- people there's enough people there. acting like it's not really gonna be that big of a deal.
2: Um, like people going over to their friend's basements to record a three hour podcast for six feet away. <laughs> Ish. Not, Ish. <laughs> nowhere close to six feet. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do. Th- worry that the election will get messed up some way or another. Like if there's super low turnout because people don't want to come, people are scared, what does that mean?
0: Facebook will create a voting app. Nope.
2: Already a bad idea. You should
0: read The Circle, by the way. I, I know, <laughs> but Russians I'm saying it will. will. Have you ever seen, have you seen? read the book uh, The Circle?
1: I my, Most of my books are kind of rectangular heading. or square shaped. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I say called the circle.
2: Isn't that the name of that school you set your kids to? That is. Bit. Yeah. <laughs> all right, that is that off topic. Let's yeah. either wrap this up
0: because I still need to process this. That's where we're headed though. Social media will take over the world.
1: Well, I guess I'm not part <laughs> of the world anymore then. <laughs>
2: right, Same here.
0: Yep. And that's why you're going to get coronavirus and die.
2: My LinkedIn profile is it's engineered, updated in five years is the only social media that I have. Nice.
0: All right. Do we have a conclusion, Andrew? Do you want to bring it down? In conclusion,
1: sometime in the future, we may listen to this again, and we may say, wow, we were idiots, or, wow, listen to how well we prophesied about worst-case scenarios. Oh, my. Either way, it's been fun. Well, Trump's on his fourth term. <laughs> it's been fun from locked-in land, where most of us, although somehow not Joe and I, are not supposed to go to work, not supposed to go anywhere, and not supposed to meet anybody. In other words, Netflix and chill for the country. And on that
0: note, thanks for joining us. <laughs> All right, so if anybody is actually still listening to this. Uh, <laughs> we, have,
1: we apologize. No,
0: oh, I hope I'll you apologize. put it this on 2.x speed um, or something
1: like that. Get it
0: done sooner. And uh, But yeah. if you want to, just just share it. We're not even going to mention any of the other stuff because who knows when we'll, we'll do another episode. But this has been fun. So thanks, guys.
2: If you are one of the children uh, from the baby boom that was created <laughs> from the lock <laughs> the lockdown, we really want you to come and find us. Do you think anybody Sometimes.
0: will name their kid COVID? With a K. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Do you think Corona beer will change? (laughs) To what? COVID beer?
1: Uh, All right. Crown. Just call it Crown. Halo. Just call it Crown. All
0: right. Thanks for listening, everybody.